Blog Talk Radio. Hello, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Radio Show. We are happy to be with you again. And uh, first and foremost, I just want to thank God for all the blessings that he bestowed upon us, uh, for doing all the things that he's done. And uh, we are starting here with the West Foundation. This is our second week. We are excited, and we definitely got a great show for you here today. The West Foundation, who are we? Uh, about four years ago, we started the West Foundation, and our goal is to get kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, we don't want them not to chase their dreams of being a professional athlete. We just want to make sure that they're equipped with the tools to be successful whenever their sport is done. And again, that's whether it's when they finish high school at 18, whether it's when they finish college, whether they get an opportunity to play professional sports, or whether they get 15 years playing a professional sport. Sooner or later, that sport's going to end, and they need to make sure that they have some tools in hand, ready to be successful. Now, our major event has been a free football and cheerleading camp that we had in the summertime. It's usually the last weekend in June. Unfortunately, this year, because of COVID, we weren't able to have it. Uh, but we're definitely looking for some bigger and better things next year. Some other things that we've uh, done is we started a Success Beyond Sports series, which is pretty much a life skills series where we want to give kids an opportunity just to learn some different life skills. The very first one we did was talking about social media, the do's and don'ts of social media. Then the plan was to have a basketball clinic, and then right after the basketball clinic, we was going to do another seminar where we talked about mental wellness and how mental wellness affects athletic performance. But again, that was right at the beginning of COVID, so we had to cancel the basketball clinic we postponed the seminar, and we actually made it a webinar. So in the end of June, we had a webinar where we brought some different professionals on, and we talked about how mental wellness affects athletic performance. You know, we talked about things from anything from the self-talk um, and how opportunities for kids to, to talk themselves into a good play or talk themselves out of a good play at times. We talked about how sometimes there was outside pressure and sometimes the pressure that the kids put on themselves. Then the next thing that we did is one that is big and something that we're definitely going to do at least once a month here is we're talking about financial literacy. So once again, we brought some professionals on, and we just talked about some different aspects of financial literacy. So one of the things that we want to do in the future, we want to, we're going to bring a police officer on so we can talk about just how to interact with police officers. And I think that's very important, especially with the climate that we have today. We want to do one on etiquette. And that's one we're probably going to have to wait until we can get back and actually get our hands on these uh, young people. But there's other, some, some other different things we want to do as well. Now, one of the things that's very important is everything that we do for these kids is free. And the only way that we're able to survive is through our sponsors and our donors, which we want to thank all of our sponsors and donors throughout the years. And if you want to become part of that, you can go to WES ffc.com backslash donate. Again, that's wsffc.com backslash donate. And that's how we run everything. Because, again, we want to make sure we can keep everything free for the kids. And we have some other things that we want to do in the future. 
But as you know, everything um, that has to be done is going to cost have some cost, but we'll make sure we keep the cost away from the kids. Now, tonight I have a, a young man that had actually opportunity to play with many moons ago, Charles Wallace. Charles, how you doing? I'm great, thank you. Yeah, Hello. definitely great to have you on. And uh, Charles is actually one of our board members for the West Foundation, and he's been doing a great job, uh, and he's definitely been an inspiration to those kids uh, that we have opportunity to affect. Now, uh, one of the things that, as we know, college football just started here recently. You know, we had a couple games two weeks ago and then uh, more of a full schedule last week. And Charles actually has a son that's up at Penn State. But the Big Ten isn't playing. How is that uh, affecting your son this year? I mean, how does he feel about not playing right now? Well, it, I don't know how it's affecting him, but I, as a parent who's been doing football for the last 30 years, it, uh, it made me uh, have to really rethink my time on the weekend. So uh, it's been a challenge uh, for them and the team mentally. Uh, you know, they've been practicing, but – it's a lot they just don't know. They don't know right. their future, per se. And I think that was one of the challenges with the Big Ten uh, because the plans had already been made to play, and then all of a sudden it reversed. And so mm-hmm. they're keeping hope alive that possibly they'll be able to play, uh, you know, mid-October, early November, okay. uh, be able to get in, a, you know, a season uh, with conference only. But, you know, mentally, you know, they're training, they're focusing, but it's a lot, you know. A lot of these guys have been playing football all their lives in the fall, so it's right. a challenge. It is, it is, and you know, for me, it's, it's, this this season is a challenge for me as well, because this is the first time in since I was in middle school that I haven't been preparing for a season, and it's different. Right, it's definitely different. Uh, you know, I spent the last twenty five years coaching on the collegiate level, and uh, this is usually Tuesdays is, is usually the long night because uh, you're getting ready. You know, you had opportunity to go on and watch a lot of film, and now it's, it's heavy game plan time. The, the game plan for me is shifting a little bit. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, it's shifting for everybody during this time. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that actually helps me because there's a lot of people that aren't game planning right now. And so there haven't been a lot of uh, preparation for a lot of people. And um, I'm curious to see if the Big the Big Ten and the Pac-12, are they going to get a few games in later in the year or not? And uh, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Unfortunately, there's so many unknowns that who knows is going to happen. You know, right. I just saw an article where Arkansas State just postponed uh, their game this week. Um, they were supposed to play Central Arkansas, and they actually had uh, one position group that had a bunch of injuries and COVID, and they're just uh, not going to play. Do you think that's going to happen a lot more, or what are your thoughts on that, Charles? Well, you know, because of the unknown of this virus is, um, you know, it, it is. It certainly is not prejudice. It, it is coming after young, old, black, white, yellow. It, it, it athletic, mm-hmm. non-athletic, and you know, there obviously are different strands. I live up in the Northeast, and so 
mm-hmm. you know, we we saw we we saw just you know how it affected and ran through you know towns and people and people you know one day you saw them the next day you know three days later they're dead and these were healthy athletic you know middle aged people they weren't old or elderly and so there's just so much that we do not know about this virus uh, and so you know one of the biggest things I'm certainly is an advocate for. Hey, just just follow the rules. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Keep your social distance. Um, you know, don't fall into well. It's like the it's like the flu. It's it's actually not as bad as the flu. Uh, the problem is we know what the flu will do to you. We know the results of the mm-hmm. flu. We have a flu shot. We don't have a COVID right. shot yet. We don't right. we don't know actually the effects. And to hear people tell, you know, that is, that have had the virus and have ended up recovering to then hear what their side effects and the residual effects are is uh, is quite staggering. So we just have to be really careful about that, which made, you know, we look at, we talk about college athletics and high school and, you know, the question I believe you asked me, you know, what did I feel about, you know, guys having to cancel games? You know, that was always my concern. And the power five, I thought one of the things that probably should have happened is that uh, if they, when they decided they were going to play, was to bubble the guys, just like the NBA, put them all in, you know, hotels mm-hmm. or or what they were together. They were doing uh, online classes. Majority of the colleges are doing online classes anyway, but they would have been sequestered to a hotel. Uh, you know, no one come in and out. I do know, you know, at Penn State, one of the things is. Uh, very limited activity. You know, Coach Franklin sacrificed uh, and virtually not seen his family for six months. Uh, once yeah. he decided, you know, to come back, get ready for football, he did not want mm-hmm. to infect his family. So I think there are rules and protocols that were put in place. I think a lot of colleges could have, particularly Power Five, who has a, a larger revenue stream, uh, could have, mm-hmm. you know, sequestered and bubbled the guys. Uh, and then when it's time for playing, you know, that way if everybody, if that's happening with everybody, when you're playing each other, the likelihood of someone getting COVID is very, very exactly. limited, very minimal because exactly. they haven't exactly. been around anybody with it. Uh, right. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, you know, it was interesting that the Arkansas State, you said, is counseling or postponing their game next week because I think mm-hmm. they played two games already. Uh, so yeah. that's interesting to see. You know, was it was was it COVID one, two? Did they get it from the team they played against? Um, right. So all those kind of factors have to be taken into place. And I can assure you, that's probably what the Big Ten was looking at. Like, okay, let's see what's the game effect. You know, when you play a game, mm-hmm. how many people are getting sick afterwards? I think one of the biggest things I've noticed with college students now is that they're taking it really serious where they weren't before, particularly the athletes. You know, they're saying, right. "Oh, this is serious." Right. This is serious. Oh, yeah. let, let me let me make sure I am quarantined. I am social distancing. I am wearing my mask. I am washing my hands, keeping my apartment clean, sanitized. So, gonna be interesting times ahead. Gonna be very interesting. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, I saw before is that I think it was Duke was saying that it was seventy five thousand dollars a week to test the uh, players twice a week. And I would imagine that they're going to test them Sunday after the game. And I think it was Thursday was when the other test was. But that's a lot of money to spend on testing. And I was just wondering if some of the, you know, like our alma mater, uh, the Citadel, or some of the other uh, group of five schools, 
you know, is that is that a number that they can afford to pay throughout the year? Um, because you know that's that's going to get pretty expensive, including now you got to also pay travel and all the things that you got to pay anyway. And I know for the Power Five, that's just a drop in the bucket for most of those schools. But for some of the smaller right. schools, they're a pretty penny. That's why I specifically said the Power Five. Anything outside right. of that, I don't think they have a revenue stream in the billions or, or excuse me, I shouldn't say billions, but at least the hundreds of millions that can cover right. that kind of expense. Um, and the NCAA should have known that. And so, just again, it's all very interesting to see what's allowed, what's not allowed, who, which teams allowed to play, which ones decided not to play. Because football is a very expensive sport. I mean, you, I, I was surprised that our alma mater flew to Tampa for the game, but I guess they said, well, we're only playing so many games, so we got we sort of had the money in the budget per se. But um, mm-hmm. you know, just the travel, and you're right, the testing, the rapid testings, and the results, and. You know, the government does give some type of stipend for the COVID testing, but, you know, you're right. It is a considerable amount of money, and 75000 a week is a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. if you got, a, you know, $100 million, uh plus-type revenue stream. But if, if if you barely bring it in, let's just say $20 million, uh, that, 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 that could be a strain. So, like I said, we're just in trying times. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah. Now, now, Charles, you might have been gone already. I think you were. But uh, we lost a game earlier in the year when I was playing that we shouldn't have. And we were supposed to, in the media guide, they said we were going to fly to Marshall. But the word was Coach Coach Taft got mad because we lost that game earlier, so we took a bus. <laughs> we, and, you know, Marshall, well, that's up in West Virginia. That's a long bus ride from Charleston. It sure is, brother. That, that's a good 12 12- Thirteen hour yeah. ride, so yeah, yeah. yeah well, uh, you you were fortunate. Most of I don't recall us. I don't recall us. Well, no, we flew to Army, but I don't recall right. us flying too many other places during my tenure uh, yeah. of playing football. So, and there's there is a difference between Power Five and any other. There is a big difference between Division One and Division Two. Oh, no um, you know, there's no a lot of bus rides for one. And the other mm-hmm. one don't, don't ever see a bus unless they're going from the hotel to the stadium and back to the airport. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Exactly. I remember when we played Arkansas. We went out to Arkansas, and they was talking about their shoe budget. This shoe budget was about the same thing as our whole budget, um, which is probably like $200,000 at the time. So it's, uh, it's definitely a huge difference there, a huge difference. And just talking about the differences this week, there was actually a lot of upsets this week. You know, uh, Arkansas State beat Kansas State. Um, Coastal Carolina beat Kansas. Uh, right. You know, one that uh, some probably would say is an upset. Uh, I'm sure most people in Georgia say no, but Georgia Tech beating Florida State was a big game. So there were some big games yep. this week. And uh, some that came out to be a little different than what they anticipated. Yeah, I don't know how the season, you know, in the record books and the annuals of time, annuals of time, this whole year, 2020, um, you know, a lot of colleges didn't really have the ample time to prepare. They weren't spring. Uh, very few were able to get in spring practice. Um, you know, it's just, just a, you know, the year of adversity and challenge. And so, 
you know, you look at teams, you look at like Navy the other night. I mean, their coach admitted like, wow, I, I should allow them to hit because we were not football ready. And so, right. you know, those are a lot of things you have to take into account. You know, I've heard several coaches say, particularly several of the Big Ten coaches, that, you know, give them two to three weeks and their team will be ready. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, again, but you, you've gone literally uh, since March or literally since last football season, December mm-hmm. for some of them, that they haven't had any literal physical contact or hitting with pads. Exactly. And so, you know, that's a discipline. you got to have a team that's really disciplined to be able to mature and handle this, this new norm. Um, and, you know, a lot, a lot of those guys can't. You know, a lot of them, it's, it's been hard. It's been challenging for a lot of people. Uh, you see now you start seeing more people opting out, uh, you know, declaring for the draft or just, you know, saving this year of eligibility. So, you know, it's real trying time. It's just not as easy as, hey, let's go take the field and, and we're going to win, you know, and we're going to play. It's, it's a whole lot more involved in that. Um, and a lot of us are in depression right now um, mentally because, like I said, we, get, we this time of year is football year. I mean, the last two Saturdays have been – Picture perfect football Saturdays, great weather, sun shining, and you know you're sitting at home. Um, yeah. So you know, you know the the other thing, <laughs> it is different to be in the stands, you know, when there's nobody there. I mean, part of part of the game is the the, the fans and, and that atmosphere and just hearing the roar of the crowd. I mean, that's that's part of football, and. Not many people have any fans, um, and those that have fans have very few. So it's you're right. That also changes the game a little bit, and it's uh, once again going to be interesting because it's on one hand, will things get better, and we allow people to get back in the stands, get back in the schools, um, will it stay kind of like it is now? Or will it end up being where we have more games canceled like we have uh, this week? Because, again, Arkansas State right. game is canceled. Memphis canceled his game against Houston. So it's, uh, uh, as we said earlier, there's a lot of unknowns. We just got to right. wait and see what happens. Right. I think they originally had built in, uh, our original schedule, several colleges had built in uh, like two weeks of buy. So they, if they had to change or shift or you know, they, they could do that. A lot of them had in their regulations as well. If I know the NCAA or maybe just the Big Ten was, if it, well, it had to be the NCAA. If, if you are, if you test positive for COVID, you got to sit out for three weeks. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. with an abbreviated season like, like that's happening, I mean, that's, a, that's literally like a whole season. You know, you three weeks, yeah. man. You don't know what happened in football in three weeks. So, yeah, well, it, it's, yeah, it's, Right. Yeah, that, that three weeks is necessary because you got two weeks where you got to be quarantined, and then you got to get back into some type of shape. Because if you haven't done anything for two weeks, you're not going to be football ready. So three right. weeks is a, is a reasonable time. Right. And so, and again, depends on you know where you are. You asymptomatic, which means you have it, but you still good health. You got your strength. You're breathing. Everything is right. Or does it take you down a couple of notches and you lose weight? You lose your strength. So, you know, so all those factors, you know, I mean, being a head coach mm-hmm. right now would be tough, 
you know, just yeah. facilitating yeah. and managing and yeah. uh, navigating all of this. Plus, you got, you know, young men that are, uh, you know, came to play football, ready to play football, and they have all the free time on their hands. So, you know, lots of challenges from that standpoint. And, you know, we talk about the stands. You know, one of the things they had said is that uh, initially that but in, in Pennsylvania, they weren't allowing gatherings uh, in stadiums large over 250. By the time you bought two teams in, well, guess what? That means that there, there wouldn't be any room in the stand for fans or anything. So um, if the Big Ten pushes forward and say that, you know, you can start playing, uh, our hope is at least they will allow parents to, to participate and be in the stands and spread out through the stadium. But, you know, those are the kind of things, uh, you know, uh, when you're a player, you draw off the energy of the crowd. Uh, when you've been playing football and been around football as long as you and I have, uh, you draw off the you draw off the the energy of one, and that's normally a parent, a mom, a dad, a cousin, an auntie, a relative. If you just know you got that one person there, then you're gonna be okay. Um, and so you know that's a mental again another mental exercise, mental effect uh, that these young men are being challenged with. Uh, it, you're right, playing in a stadium with no people. Uh, we can pipe in the noise. We can, there's a lot that can happen, but it's nothing like feeling the energy of a crowd uh, for and against mm-hmm. you. You know, uh, exactly. You, 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 you mentioned you mentioned Marshall earlier. Uh, during my college career, Marshall probably was the most hostile environment that we ever played in. I mean, it was man, we could not wait for that game to be over. They were they were throwing uh, you know trash out of the stands and calling mm-hmm. us. Uh, explicit names and exactly so <laughs> but but you know they, they, there's a new norm that's being set and i don't know how soon we'll be able to get back to to what we long for which is you know stands in the stadium side by side mm-hmm. you know packed in uh it doesn't appear that uh, florida state was certainly affected any uh, their stands were uh people were very close uh and unmasked on saturday so Again, very interesting, um, just interesting times which we live in. So, um, good stuff. All right. Yeah, well, hey, well, today we got a great show. We got a great show for you. Um, We're going to have Scholarship Momentum. We're going to talk about uh, getting scholarships, non-athletic scholarships. Um, There's a duo that between the two of them, there's two sons raised or had over $1.6 million in non-athletic scholarship money. So they can get some tips on that. And we also have a couple of Citadel guys coming in. One, Andre Roberts, who is currently with the Buffalo Bills. And he and his quarterback uh, at the Citadel, Duran Lawson, who was actually a Conway guy, a hometown guy for me. And they have started some business ventures. And we're going to talk to them a little bit. And then we're going to talk to a young man that lined up beside you, Charles, Morris Robinson, who is now a professional opera singer. And then we'll finish tonight with Dion Jackson, who's the assistant superintendent at Berkeley County Schools down there in the Charleston area. And we are definitely looking for a great night. I think we've got a great lineup. It is Citadel heavy. Uh, so, hey, if you're a Citadel guy and know some other ones, and you definitely want to be listening. You know, one of the things is I was just looking at a a note earlier. Uh, I read this, and I thought it was very uh, true. 
And it says you have to do it by yourself. But you cannot do it alone. You have to have a team to make it, whatever it is, happen. And that's what we want to do. We want to teach our guys, and I think that's where athletics comes in. Well, you can't do it alone because you have to rely on your teammates. Basketball, soccer, baseball, um, they're all team sports, and they're things that you cannot do alone. And I think it's important to be involved with team sports. Uh, I think even track, even though it's an individual sport, it is still a team sport. Um, so you can't win a track meet by yourself. Exactly. So that, that's something that we definitely got to go on and, and live on. And that becomes true once you get into the business world as well because you just can't do it by yourself. You have to rely on other people. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of companies – like to get athletic people because they've been part of a team and they know what it's like to be part of a team. And uh, that's uh, another important reason why we want to push athletics and make sure that these young people are part of athletics. Um, We're going to go to break. We're going to come back uh, a little bit early. Um, But we're going to go on and take a little break here, and then we'll be back before you know it.
Hello. We're back here at the West Foundation Sports Show. Uh, this is Everett Sands, and we are happy to have you all back. Today, we have Scholarship Momentum that is going to be joining us. We're going to have half of the team. Uh, the team is Jennifer Ware McCrary and somebody that I just had to start calling doctor here recently, Dr. Yvette Newton-Sands. Dr. Sands, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you all? You're doing great. You're doing great. We're definitely glad that you can make it. And uh, and we want to hear more about what you all are doing and, and helping young people uh, prepare for college and find scholarships. All right. Certainly, that's what we do. Again, my name is Dr. Yvette Newton-Sands, and I am one of the co-founders of Scholarship Momentum, and that's M-O-M. E-N-T-U-M, Scholarship Momentum. I, along with my business partner, Jennifer McCrary, started this business this summer. So the summer of 2020, we started Scholarship Momentum. Since July of this year, we've served over 200 families. So the purpose of Scholarship Momentum is to assist families navigate the college scholarship process and the application process. There are so many scholarships available to our youth, and I'm talking about free money. So you don't have to be an athlete, or you don't even have to be a class valedictorian or at the top of your class to receive a lot of these scholarships. So before I move on to talk about the specifics of our business, Allow me to just give you some background about the student loan crisis that's facing our nation and our young adults. Six show that Americans owed $1.5 trillion in student loans at the end of March 2019. And I'll repeat that. $1.5 trillion in student loans. Wow. So since 1980s, College tuition has more than doubled. Currently, there are more than 3 million senior citizens still paying off their college student loans. Hold Let up. Dr. Sands, you mean that there's people that, that are 62-plus that are still paying off student loans? There are 3 million of those people out there still paying off their student loans. Um, wow. And actually, on average, college students who graduate from college, on the average, the average college student graduates with more than $30,000 in student loan debt. So basically, they're starting off, let's say, their real lives with $30,000 at least in debt. This can have a negative hmm. impact on their credit or even their ability to buy their first home. So we do have a very serious student loan debt problem facing our nation. And so when our children started to college and when they started looking for colleges where they wanted to apply, Jennifer and I did not want this to be the situation for our children. So we both have children that are in college now. Jennifer's son, Chris, is a sophomore at the Georgia Institute of Technology also known as Georgia Tech. I think Everett mentioned them a little earlier in his show. And my son, Trey, is a sophomore 
at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. We also yes, that's have, my Tennessee. <laughs> we also have <laughs> daughters that are seniors. We both have daughters who are seniors in high school who have started the scholarship process. So we are in the midst of it with them as well. But our sons and our daughters were our motivation for starting scholarship momentum. When our sons started applying for college, we quickly, right, Everett, found that college is expensive. Oh, yeah. The average cost of a yeah, and so we didn't want to, we had saved some money for our children, but we have three children, and we definitely had not saved over three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 for them to go to school because when you look at it, the average cost of attendance for one year is over $35,000. And, again, this number fluctuates depending on the college your student attends, whether it's a private school, whether it's in-state or out-of-state. But on the average, it costs about $35,000 a year. So my point here is we discovered that college is very, very expensive. So, mm-hmm. so when our children started to look at scholarships, our main goal, for at least with Trey, was let's try to find some money to help supplement your education. Where can we find this money? So our goal was just to find some money to supplement his education. But what we found was a gold mine. I almost literally mean a gold mine. Combined between my son Trey and Jennifer's son Chris, um, they won over $1.6 million in scholarships from over 40 institutions and community service organizations. Yes, I said $1.6 million. And this was free money. So, so that was saying, does that mean yes. that the rest of the money you get to put in your pocket? Oh, I wish. So, again, I said that this was over 40 institutions. For example, they may have, if he applied to Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech may have given him 40. North Carolina State gave him 50. Um, University of Georgia gave him 75. So total, when you look at all the money that they won, it totaled about $1.6 million. However, they won a lot of this money came from community organizations within their own community that they could use at any school. And so, Everett, you know that we're proud to say at this point, Trey is a sophomore at Vanderbilt. The tuition, or mm-hmm. at least the cost of attendance, is over $78,000 a year. To date, we've paid mm-hmm. zero. Um, for him to go to school yep. because of scholarships that he won. And most of, most of those scholarships were community scholarships. So, again, this was free money. For most of the scholarships, all they had to do was apply. Most of the scholarships simply required that he write an essay, he write a poem, or he describe his activities in the community. So, again, what I want to emphasize that there are so many scholarships available to students. And again, you don't have to be an athlete or you don't have to be the top in the top of your class or you don't have to have always have the top scores. Now I am going to admit your academics can enhance your application, but some applications don't even ask for your academics. Um, so mm-hmm. when you look at scholarships, believe me, there are so many out there there are scholarships for tall people, for short people, for people who've been involved in a car wreck who want to share their stories. Some of the scholarships require them to write an essay or to write a poem or make a video 
or talk about their community service. Taco Bell, for example, has a scholarship out there now where you make a video that describes what your, you envision your future career. And you make a video and you send it in, and that scholarship is upwards of $60,000 just for making a video. $50,000 for making a video. So They could probably put that video on TikTok. You pro- exactly. I think students right now are so tech savvy. A lot of these scholarships that they, for the requirements like making a video or writing a poem, they can do that within 30 to 45 minutes. And that, um, I know when we were talking to Trey, Trey used to balk about, oh, I don't want to do an essay for $1,000. And I had to kind of tell him, think about it, Trey. It's going to take you 45 minutes or an hour to write an essay, and then you win $1,000. Where else can you make $1,000 an hour? So, um, But my purpose, and again, back to the purpose of scholarship momentum, what we do is we help parents and their students find and apply for scholarships. Um, As I mentioned, since July, we've helped over about 200 families through our webinars and seminars where not only we teach them how to find scholarships, but where, where to look. We look at the financial aid process and applying for college and trying to find that best fit for you. So um, that's just a little bit about our business. Everett, do you have any questions about our business specifically? Now, you talked about all these scholarships. Where can a parent or a student find these scholarships? When I say scholarships are everywhere, I literally mean they are everywhere. I challenge parents and students to just go to the computer, go to Google, and search for scholarships. Um, If you have a specific interest, search for engineering scholarships or dance scholarships or scholarships uh, for tall people. There are so many out there. Um, So you can search using the Internet. Every school, especially high schools, they have a guidance counselor's office that lists scholarships from the community. And I would definitely urge students to find those community scholarships. Those are your local scholarships um, from different community organizations like your Greek letter organization, Rotary Club, Elks Club, um, Foot Locker, Chick-fil-A, Taco Bell. If you can think of a business, they probably have a scholarship. Ask your parents about their employers. Usually employers offer some type of scholarship. Um, mm-hmm. Things like there's a database called Scholarly, that's S-C-H-O-L-L-Y, scholarship.com. If you just start the process, again, just go Google it. Um, you can find all types of different scholarships. If you walk into a bookstore, there's a list off the shelves that lists so many scholarships. But again, um, a lot of the scholarships that we focus on are definitely those scholarships that are in your community. Our sons want a lot of community scholarships where they had the opportunity to decide where they wanted to use those scholarships. So they were just not um, school specific. And a lot of those checks were written out to them, directly to them. So there are lots and lots of places to find scholarships. Okay, now you keep saying about the community scholarships. Why is it important to really look at the community scholarships? Um, well, I think because those are some of the um, ones that you're most familiar with. And then when you also look at the competition, 
some scholarships, especially the national scholarships, they may have up to 20,000, 30,000 applicants for one scholarship. And if your resume or your essay is that competitive, definitely apply for those national scholarships. But when you get down to the local scholarships, it may be 10 or 20 people applying for the scholarship. We even have some companies contact us because they have no one that applies for their scholarship at all. We were working with a client this summer, and she applied for a scholarship, and she won because she was the only one that applied. There's so many scholarships that students don't even apply for. Okay. Now, let me ask this question. Is this just for seniors, or when should you start looking for scholarships? You should start immediately. It's never too late to start looking for scholarships. We actually have clients that start this process in the seventh, eighth grade, and they win scholarships now in the seventh grade, and they keep winning up for the next five, six years. We even have a client now who is in law school who's applying for scholarships. So it's never too early to start. I mean, I'm sorry, it's never too late to start, but the earlier the better. If you think about a student that starts, let's say, in the eighth grade, ninth grade, applying for scholarships, they have four years to build up that money versus a student that starts their senior year, not saying that it's too late to start your senior year, but the earlier the better. So if you win a scholarship your eighth or ninth grade year, they're just going to hold that money until you go to college? It depends on the organization. Most of them will hold that money until you go to college um, because some scholarships dictate that they have to pay the institution directly. However, there are a lot of scholarship companies or committees that will pay the student directly. So it just depends on their rules and regulations so that they could hold on to it or they could pay the student right now. So if they pay the student right now, they just have to put it aside in, in a college fund, or how does that work? They they would put it aside. Hopefully their parents are involved. Um, what we stress with scholarship momentum um, is that this is a family process. Um, so when we have our webinars and seminars, we encourage parents to join their students on the web- webinar so that they'll get the information too so that they can encourage their students and they can kind of be like a cheerleader helping them win the scholarships. You know, with Trey, we were in his corner all the way. Every time he won a scholarship, we rejoiced because that was less money that came out of our pocket. Yep, no doubt about that. I, I definitely can agree to that one. Um, okay, here's another question. Any more questions? Okay. Yeah. What is the biggest misconception about scholarships? The biggest misconception about scholarships is that you have to be at the top of your class or you have to have – excellent grades, Um, while those things do enhance your opportunity to win scholarships, this is not always the case. Some scholarship applications don't even ask for your academic information. You may have to write a poem or make up a video. One client, um, we have won $25,000 recently Hmm. by writing an essay about financial literacy. That's all she had to do. There was a prompt about financial literacy and why it's important for young students to have some background knowledge about that. She wrote an essay. She won $25,000. They flew her and her family to Vegas for free, and she accepted Mm. the scholarship. 
Um, this student was also a survivor of childhood cancer. So one scholarship was right about your experience and how it helped you. She wrote about it, and she won another $5,000. So she started applying for scholarships probably in March of this year. She graduated in mm. June. She's still applying. She's probably up to about $60,000, $70,000 of free money by writing essays and writing poems. She's not an athlete. She did not graduate at the top of her class. She was a good student, but I would say she wasn't in the top 50% of her class. But she's getting free scholarship money. And, again, this is free mm-hmm. money. Wow. Wow. Now, let me ask this question. This is, of course, a sports radio show, and a lot of athletes uh, are listening, their parents are listening. Are there, does this money conflict to say if a, if a kid had athletic money, would this money conflict with that money, or how does that work? I'm not sure, ever. You may be able to answer that question better than I can. But usually what happens for some scholarships, again, they'll pay the student directly. They pay it directly. Um, Our daughter, of course, Sierra, she's already started the process. She won a scholarship this summer, and the organization is writing her a check as soon as she graduates from high school for $6,000. However, some scholarship companies, they will mail it directly to the financial aid office of the school that you decide to attend. And I'm not sure. Like I said, Everett, you may be able to answer this more, how the NCAA looks at that money. Well, it's going to depend if they're on full scholarship or not. Um, and I was thinking more of partial scholarship uh, type situations um, because <clears throat> there's only a few full scholarship type sports um, and a lot of things such as baseball and softball uh, have a lot of partials. So I would imagine with a partial scholarship, they will still be able to uh, use that. Um, so yes. Now, and there are some scholarships out there, too, as you said, for those students who are not on a full athletic scholarship, but they can mm-hmm. use their experience in athletics to win scholarships. For example, um, I keep coming back to our son, Trey. Foot Locker paid Trey won a scholarship for $20,000 from Foot Locker because he wrote mm-hmm. an essay about his experience as a high school athlete. Um, he wrote that essay. He was um, one of 20,000. He was one of 100,000 students that applied, and they selected 20 students from across the nation. So he wrote an essay. He had an interview on the phone, and they start sending the checks when he won. So and athletes, my, there are a lot of. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm going to say, and in my dad's voice, that's my boy. <laughs> Absolutely. So there are, again, because um, athletes do have some special characteristics that they can write about, how they had to balance athletics and how they had to balance academics, how they're well-rounded students. Those things are um, things that catch the attention of scholarship committees when you have a well-rounded student. And, again, use those because the checks are the same, whether you're an athlete or not, um, money is green. And free money is better. So what you're saying is being an athlete can help you get some of these scholarships, even though they're non-athletic scholarships. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, So use those experiences. Uh, And, again, that goes back to uh, being a good teammate, 
and I, and I think that definitely will help. Now, I know that you all have a free webinar coming up, correct? Yes. So we invite all scholars and their parents to join us on this Sunday at 7 p.m., I believe. But you can find all of that information on our website. Our website address is www.scholarshipmomentum.com. Again, that's www. I'll spell it for you. Scholarship, S-C-H-O-L-A-R-S-H-I-P, Momentum, M-O-M-E-N-T-U-M. Scholarship Momentum, all one word, dot com. So we will have a free workshop that lasts about an hour and 30 minutes. If you go to scholarshipmomentum.com and you select our events tab, it will take you to the registration process. So we do ask that if you want to join us for this free workshop, that you register in advance. You do have to register in advance in order to receive the link for the event, and that is this Sunday, September the 20th. We will cover the application process, the different types of scholarships, where to find the scholarships, how to search for the scholarships. We'll also cover applying for financial aid during the pandemic, and now as you all, some of you all know, that a lot of schools are test optional, meaning that they're not requiring you to submit the SAT or the ACT for admissions consideration, we'll talk about what that really means. So please join us again. That's this Sunday, September 20th. You can find all that information at www.scholarshipmomentum.com. We're also on Facebook under the same name, scholarshipmomentum.com. And hopefully some of you all um Join us to get this free information so you can win this free money. Anything else, ever? Well, Dr. Sands, I know you got to go because I know you have a webinar here coming up in about nine minutes, but we appreciate you. We appreciate the information, and uh, thanks again for coming on. All right. Thank you for having me. You all enjoy. All right. Take care. Now, here's one thing for anybody that's definitely interested in Going on that webinar, again, at scholarshipmomentum.com, there is a limit, and I've heard her talking about sometimes that people don't they have no more room. Uh, so if you're interested, please go on and, and sign up because I think that limit is like right at 100 people. So after 100, they, they close the doors and not let anybody else in. Uh, but definitely go sign up because there's a lot of good information there. Um, and, I, and I'm going to tell you from sitting on the parent side, it is definitely better when you know that you have some money, and as she emphasized, free money to help pay that tuition bill um, when it comes in. And uh, so we're definitely, um, as we start looking for our daughter as well, it's a never-ending process, of course, and so we're we're still in in the thick of things with her, um, looking to find some scholarship money for her. And again, want to reiterate, being an athlete will help you tell your story. That's one of the things that she has definitely put in my head. 
is that you have to have a story to tell. What is your story? You know, one of the things with my son, his story was that he had gotten a concussion um, during during the game. So his big thing was he's a engineering student. He's uh, working on mechanical engineering. Um, but he wanted to help develop some things uh, to help people um, where we can stop concussions, uh, develop a helmet or something along those lines. Uh, so, again, there needs to be a story to tell. And, and as you tell your story, and again, it needs to be a personal story. You don't want to take somebody else's story. But let it be a personal story, and, and a lot of your essays will base off of that. And so there's a lot of essays written, but if you have the base of your story, then you can go in a lot of different angles off of that one base story. So there's a lot of good information out there. There's a lot of scholarships out there. And uh, as she said, regardless if you're top of the class or middle of the class, there's some scholarships out there for you. Now, don't think that academics aren't important because academics are very important. But the key is you don't have to be the valedictorian to get a scholarship. But we want to make sure that you're doing your best. Now, one of the things that my kids and my players have heard me say time and time again, I don't care if you are your best or the best, just do your best. And if you do your best, then we're good. That's all I ask. You do your best, and that's good enough. Your best is good enough. Uh, but you got to be honest with yourself and say, hey, is this my best? Because uh, as you stand there and look in the mirror, if you're not being honest with yourself, then you're cheating yourself. Um, but a lot of scholarship money out there. Definitely, uh, if you can, go to scholarshipmomentum.com, uh, sign up, and go on and take a look at those scholarships. Now, one of our sponsors is Clear. And just a word from them is that I'm not sure if you realize that the average side of an airborne virus ranges from 3 to 0.3 microns, which the coronavirus is only 0.125, and it makes it easy for particles to travel and fit through most materials. Your home needs a defense system that will combat harmful viruses, and the air filters are part of that first-line defense. CLEAR provides high-quality HVAC air filters at a competitive price that homeowners want and need. Clear air filters are rated MERV-13, and it can catch the coronavirus droplets and other bacteria-sized particles. They offer fast, free shipping and a quality guarantee. Purchase your clear air filter today by visiting clearair.com. That's C-L-E-E-R-Air.com. Order when you use the code WES, that's W-E-S-10, at checkout. Make the healthy choice. Choose clear and breathe clear today. So we had the scholarship momentum. And now up next, we've got a couple of uh, young men that I had the opportunity to coach, Andre Roberts and Duran Lawson. And right after this break, we'll bring them on. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse, I've been in a 
boy hat from Gucci, Wrangler on my booty. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Welcome back to the West Foundation Sports Radio Show. We are excited to have a, a couple of my old players here with me. We have Andre Roberts, who is a current wide receiver with the Buffalo Bills, and his quarterback, Duran Lawson. Uh, guys, how you all doing? Doing, doing well. How you doing, Coach? Doing well, doing well, man, doing well. I'm uh, adjusting to life without football, but uh, I'm glad that we, we're starting to get it back on TV again. Andre, congrats on the, on the win last week. Appreciate it. It's good to get the first one out the way. Definitely, definitely. How was, uh, just before we start talking about what you all two are doing together, how was the difference between past seasons and this year dealing with COVID? Uh, I think the biggest difference had to have been uh, during spring. You know, we have OTAs mm-hmm. from April to June, and this year, we didn't really have OTAs. We just had Zoom meetings. So everything was Zoom meetings. We had, we had to work out on our own um, and get ready for training camp. Uh, but everything was Zoom meetings. And, and our offense was kind of new this year. So uh, the Zoom meetings helped a lot since we couldn't be in person. But that was definitely the right. biggest difference. 
Okay. Was preseason pretty much the same? Um, Besides the well, we didn't no have preseason. yeah we we didn't have any preseason games, but training camp uh, was pretty similar. The first week we came back, um, we didn't have pads or helmets or anything. It was kind of just like a ramp up period to make sure everybody was in shape. But um, mm-hmm. after that first week and a half, when everybody got tested uh, for COVID and everybody was in shape, we got back to it uh, pretty quickly. Got back into training camp mode and. Uh, just just scrimmaged a little bit more versus just having those preseason games. Right, right. Okay, all right. Now, Duran, um, which I know you had your share of uh, your name in a record book down at the Citadel, and I, and I imagine that that bond that, that you and Andre shared, because you threw, uh, Andre, how many touchdowns back in the day? Shoot. Uh, enough. Over 20. <laughs> <I guess. been>. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait, Durant, how many did you catch? I mean, Andre, you catch any touchdowns from anybody else besides Durant? Uh, yeah, Bart Blanchard. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Andre, uh, Andre's two years behind me. <clears throat> yeah. Well, he's two years behind you. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So he only got one year with you. No, he got two. He started as a freshman. Two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I said one and a half. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. And then Bart Blanchard was the, was the guy after that. Yeah. Which we had good days back in there. We had some good days. And uh, but but Duran, what have you been doing since you graduated? Um, after I graduated, I took a job. I took um a job with the railroad, <clears throat> which kind of took me. All over the country, I went from Atlanta to Illinois to Alabama, Kentucky, and then made my way back to South Carolina. And uh, you know, I, did, I had several different jobs with the railroad, but I was with them for about ten years until uh, we decided to embark on this Zaxby's journey. Okay, all right. And I imagine the now I have connections to both of these guys. Uh, of course, Duran Lawson is from my hometown, Conway. And then Andre Roberts, as we were recruiting him, found out that uh, our folks are from the same neck of the woods. So we, we related <laughs> somewhere down And uh, as I said, I had opportunity to coach both of them. Uh, but they have come together. They've, they've maintained things. And they've come together. And, and now they, they own his axes. Um, so how did, how did that come about? What was the thought with, uh, do you all always say you wanted to go in business together, or did it just sort of appear and you're like, let's jump on it? Uh, I mean, well, I think you happened. Yeah, go ahead, Dora. It's kind of how it happened. You, you kind of just yeah appeared. <laughs> yeah, you you'll appreciate this story, Coach Sands. Uh, we was in Columbia, South Carolina, playing at Cobblestone. Okay. And. Uh, after the round of golf, Andre had just signed with the Redskins. And uh, after the round of golf, was going to get something to eat. I think before we were at my house. Go, and, who won? Before you go on, who won? Uh, I, think I, I'm, I think I was a better golfer at the time. <laughs> I think I might have got him that day. Yeah, he, play might have. he He I play, plays I play, a lot more than I do. And in all season, <laughs> I try to get out almost every day. 
But I will say, in in the early, in the early days of me living in Colombia and Andrea and I getting together to play golf a lot, um, in the early days we were we were around we, we were around the same, you know, right. high nineties. Okay. Right. Then he he okay. did. <laughs> then he put some um, money into his game. Yeah. Well, exactly. yeah, and he just started playing it. He fell in love with it, and you know, during the off season, he started playing every day or every yeah. other day. That makes a difference. That makes a difference. Yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um. So yeah, after after around the golf, we uh, I think we were at my house and decided we were gonna go get something to eat. And so I started naming off different places to Andre that was in the area. And when I said Zaxby's, he was like, "Man, let's let's go there because you know there's not one where I live in Virginia." Mm-hmm. So we went there, started eating back at the house, and Andre was like, "Man, I I think one of these will do really well." Where I live, we should we should go in business together. And it kind of was that simple. I mean, the conversation went a little further because of uh, our connection with Toby Strange, and I had kept in contact with him, and I knew he was doing Zaxby's mm-hmm. at the time. So we kind of had a some in, we were able to tap into some inside information, and uh, that's literally how the whole thing started. That was back in 2015. Right. Right. Okay. Now, now, Coach Strange was. Uh, the office coordinator at one point at Citadel, and he stepped away, and now I think he has is it five or six. How many um, do you have? You know, Durant? Uh He's contracted to do well. He had six, and then he sold them, and okay. then he signed to do six more. And I think he's he's he has five, and maybe one more to build, or he he could already have built that last one since the last time okay. I spoke with him. Right. <clears throat> All right. Yep. All right. Well, good. Good. Now, from your experiences football-wise, how did that help you as you prepared to uh, go into business with the Zaxby's? Football and business well, are very similar. <laughs> yeah. um, the biggest thing for me was, um, you know, knowing Andre on the field, off the field, Football, and then even another step further with the Citadel, you kind of get to know a little more about a person. And, uh, you know, you can, it's, you know, business is, it can be a difficult thing and it can end relationships and friendships uh, if you mm-hmm. don't know what you're, get, what you're getting into. And, you know, him and I have always been similar, like-minded, um, always kind of had the same similar outlooks on certain things, and we definitely had similar outlooks on business and, uh, you know, we've had conversations about our children not being able to inherit jobs, uh, but they can inherit a business. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was something, you know, that's kind of why we wanted to get into it. Obviously, um, Andre's been doing well for himself since he graduated. He didn't have to get into business. And I was pretty comfortable at, at the time in my life, but again, uh, you know, we both wanted kids. And I had it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we both wanted kids, and we want to be able to pass something uh, on to our kids. So, right, I understand that. I understand that. What were you gonna say, Andre? Oh, Sands, we like to fight. We just, we, we just like that fight. 
getting into right, something right. new. You know, we get, we still have that drive. So. Hey, that definitely which, helps too. Oh, no doubt about it. And if you don't have that drive, then it'll be tough for you to be a collegiate football player because there there are some days when you just <laughs> don't want to do it. And if you don't have that drive, you don't have that fight in you, as we say around Charleston, you get those I-26 eyes and they'll be gone on I-26. Uh, but, uh, but that's definitely something. Now, Duran, the uh, you sort of uh, moved before we really got to the West Foundation and where it is, but one of the things that we've been doing, and Andre, you haven't been able to get down there yet, is we started playing golf. We have a little golf tournament. And from that, it's kind of where we sort of said, hey, let's go on and do a camp. And and that's kind of the, the birth of the West Foundation um, from that golf tournament because it was pretty much a bunch of guys from the Citadel, um, a few guys from my wife's hometown, and most of us played ball and just saying, hey, we want to do something to give back to the community. And just sort of say, hey, we're going to take one day from this and, and go on and uh, start doing a little free camp. So we play golf. We still do it. Play golf on Thursday, Friday. Uh, Duran, you might, I mean, excuse me, Andre, I don't know if you are, are physically ready for this because, you know, it, it can be challenging. So uh, <laughs> we play Thursday, Friday, and then we do the camp on Saturday, and then we finish up with our last round on Sunday. Now, Duran, you, you were there the first year. The first year was brutal because we came yeah. in on Friday, and we played 36 on Saturday and then played 18 on, on Sunday. And that, that, that second round on that Saturday, everybody had really bad scores. It was hot, and we had a good time. But it rained on us the, the first round, yeah. the first 18. First round. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember really that. So, so, so is that what – that was the – at that time it was called Sands on the Beach, right? That was the, the name yep, of the, the golf outing the with the guy. Yep, it's still the Sands on the Beach golf tournament. Yeah, But it's morphed into the West Foundation. Have, correct. And now we have the West Foundation, that camp, on uh, on Saturday. So the uh, it, it has definitely grown. And we added chili. Sounds like a chili. good weekend to me. Oh, and it's a great weekend. <clears throat> it is a great weekend because we, we get a chance to get back and one of the things that I found out, the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll catch everybody there in a second. Uh, uh, yeah, I got it. I got it. And, and I'm not that old yet, so. <laughs> oh, so what you My memory is still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I think my memory is pretty good, too. But. It might be uh, exaggeration here or there, but I think mostly uh, it's pretty accurate. I really think it's pretty accurate. So, but hey, how has COVID affected the business? Um, I know you are you just really get going because you actually open when? When was the opening day? Uh, it'll be a year tomorrow in September. Okay. Yeah. Year tomorrow. Okay. So, so September 16th five, six of 2019. In. Yep, five, six months in, and all of a sudden the pandemic happens. How did that affect business? Um, it's it's definitely it definitely was tough. Um, you know, we had to make some quick adjustments. Um, you know, we can 
I, you know, we have positives and negatives. Um, on the positive side, um, there's a lot of restaurants around us in, in our area that had to close down, especially for those first initial couple of weeks. Um, right. And they didn't have drive through And so, you know, Northern Virginia is pretty populated, so you have all these people mm-hmm. that want to go out and eat. Um, that right. whether it's they don't want to cook or whatever. And so one of our issues pre-COVID was brand recognition. You know, a lot of people up here don't know, had never heard of Zaxby's. Um, right. So the, on the positive note, when all these other places closed down, they were forced to kind of go out and try new stuff. And so we got a lot of new business from, from that standpoint. Um, <clears throat> on the negative side is, you know, that March, April, May is right when you start to get into, you know, your peak season uh, for retail. Um, And because we didn't have year-to-date records, we weren't open the year prior, we don't know what our numbers could have been. Right. Um, So we really don't know um, if sales would have been better or worse. Um, We definitely did see an uptick, but like I said, we were coming out of the winter winter months into our, our peak mm-hmm. season. And, uh, we, you know, we were able to weather the storm. We, our dining room still closed, <clears throat> but because we have the drive through, uh, you know, we're able to serve the community and, and, uh, try to keep people safe at the same time. Right. Now, if the, when, with your dining room closed, does that mean you're less staff or do you need to have a amount of staff? Well, when I say our dining room's closed, people can come in and order takeout. Okay. But okay. um but they can't they can't sit sit down, sit down. And, eat. and if they order online right. they can come in and pick it up. So um mm-hmm. you know, initially when it when it first happened we did go drive through only and we were we did um we were able to uh go with less staff but you know, we decided mm-hmm. not to because we didn't know how long it would last. We knew we were getting into peak season and we didn't want to shoot ourselves in the foot and cut all of our staff. And then next thing you know, right. uh, COVID goes away yeah. and everything's back mm-hmm. open and we don't have employees. So, um, you know, we kind of just, we kept up most of our core people. Um, there were some people that, you know, went and looked for other opportunities because their hours got cut a little bit, but for the most part, we, not for the most part, we, we didn't lay anyone off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good. Good, good, good. Outstanding. Now, um, Dre, back to football a little bit. The um, How does it feel to be in the stadium? You know, Charles Wallace and I was talking about this earlier. How does it feel to be in the stadium with no fans? Does that change the, uh, I, the game? I'll tell you exactly how it feels. It feels like we're at a college spring game. It felt like we were at the Citadel again at a spring game Mm -hmm. with no fans. There's a white side and a blue side, and we're just going at it. Our first game was against the Jets, so our side was the white side and had the green side. But, I mean, it it felt like a spring. You could hear everything, you know, people yelling at you when you're on the field on the sideline, Uh, when they're on the sideline. And it just – it was a little weird. And right, it's, it's right. tough to think that all the games are going to be like that because that could happen, right? 
some teams uh, can have some fans, but uh, for the most part, there aren't going to be any fans, at least for now. Uh, so it's something we kind of got to get used to, but it was it was pretty weird. Right, pretty weird. right. Now, uh, who do y'all play next? Miami, down Miami. down in Florida. Going down to Florida, going down to Florida. Mm-hmm. So. I got a question yeah. for Andre. I got a question for Andre. Dre, do you think that um, the no fans kind of takes away the advantages of playing at home? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Especially with yeah. our fans. Our fans are crazy. They, they they get real rowdy and real loud. Um, right. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be different per team. You know, some fans aren't like our fans, but – uh, especially Miami, they're they're. I don't think their fans are like Buffalo fans, but um, yeah, for sure, home field advantage is is non-existent at this point. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the momentum, the I think the momentum stuff is still real. Um, right. You get some momentum. I, I don't think you'll keep it as long, especially with with no fans. But you start you start making some plays on offense or defense, and you get a little bit of momentum, and you can. You can tack on some scores with that. Right, right. The um, how is it in? And this is a question for both of you. How is it in Buffalo? How is it in Virginia? Um, from a COVID standpoint, I mean, is it everything pretty much still closed? Are people starting to get out more? Uh, what is it like? Uh, in, well, in, in Buffalo. Virginia, in, go ahead, Dre. In, in Buffalo, uh, restaurants are still pretty much closed. Um, I would say people are starting to get out, but, you know, it's when you're out, everybody has a mask. You have to have a mask on when you go into places. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, I, I think most areas are, are like New York uh, that I've been to. I, I was in Minnesota this summer as well, and it was kind of like that, like, you can tell that people aren't out like that, but you know some people, you know, just just they're just ready to live live their lives and just be out. Right, right. How about you, Durant? Uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 the same in Virginia. Um, and Andre spent a, a good bit of his off season here, but you know, it's just weird going out, seeing everybody in masks. It looks like a scene from a movie. Um, but there's still a lot of restaurants that are closed. Most of them have tried to adapt and even, like, just go to strictly outdoor seating or create outdoor seating. Um, but, you know, I mean, Walmart's hours are even changed. I think Walmart's still closing at 8 o'clock. Um, so, I mean, if that don't tell you how much things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh... You know, for the longest time for me, it was, and, and things are starting to open up a little bit more here in in, uh, in the show. I mean, in, in South Carolina, but it was like that was my outing to go to Walmart to go grocery shopping. You know, just to go see somebody and just just go. But you know, one thing I went down to Charleston this past weekend, and people are out and about in Charleston. Now the good thing is most of them have a mask. Uh, but people are out and about in Charleston. Uh, a lot of the restaurants mm-hmm. down there look like they're open. 
and uh, and so, and I'm sure Charleston. Uh, like I said, most people had on masks. I'm not 100 percent sure if Charleston has one of the mandatory mask laws or not. Uh, I know they have it here in Columbia, and I know everywhere in South Carolina does it. Um, but uh, but uh, but somebody, but there's a. I don't know if you all remember Justine's Kitchen. The other no, that sounds familiar. <clears throat> but that was one of the spots when I went back to Charleston. I always went to, and unfortunately, they had to close down. Uh, so that was one of them. Um, but like I said, Charleston is, is out and about, and, and uh, the uh, <clears throat> hopefully before long everything will be back open again. But, again, we got to make sure that we're smart, of course. Uh, we don't want to put anybody mm-hmm. in harm's way. And, and I think that's the, the big thing with athletics. Uh, the It's important to have athletics. I think it's very important because, you know, no football on the weekends for, for a lot of people is, is a rough deal. And one of the things that I also see is that a lot of youth sports are alive and well. Uh, which I see, Duran, your son is playing a lot of golf these days, huh? Yeah. Um, fortunately, that's like his sport of choice at the moment. Um, I mean, he likes other sports, but that's definitely one that he's able to do and still social distance. So he's actually have uh, he got two two matches this weekend, as a matter of fact. So yeah, he's he's knee deep in it. Well, good. How's he been playing? Uh, he's been playing better lately. I took him out um, Sunday morning and uh, played nine holes, and he shot a forty-five for so. And he played, you know, from the red tees, and for a six-year-old, that's that's pretty good. Yep. Yep. So and he he, he, if, <laughs> a forty-five. Okay. Which that is good. I'm happy with a 45. <laughs> yeah, most people so, would be happy with a 45. Exactly. Right. Uh, exactly. So yeah, he's he's uh he's striking the ball well right now. We'll see if he can keep it up throughout the season and maybe <laughs> place or make a little bit of noise. Now wait a minute. With, with that 45, did he beat you? <clears throat> um. <laughs> There's a pause. It's, it's, a, it's, a pause. It's, it's 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 a shorter course. It's not a. It's not a. It wasn't a. Uh, okay. It's not Good a boy play. You know, seventy-two. Yeah, it's not. You know, nine wasn't a par thirty-six. It was. We have two courses in our neighborhood. One is like um. In a retirement community, so it's a shorter course, and that's right. the course I usually take him to, because it's more okay. comparable to what, what he plays when he goes out and plays with U.S. Kids Golf. Okay. All right, all right. You know, I, I, when you paused there for a second, I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, he might have beat his old man already. <laughs> no, he ain't got uh, that yet. yet. He got a little, little, work, little work to do, but it's coming. His swing is definitely better than mine. I can tell you that much. Right, right, right. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, I need to get Josiah back out there. We actually went and hit some balls the other day. I need to get him back rolling. But he's in the midst but of soccer and they just football. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I will. I will say, in, in true dad fashion, I'll see it coming before it gets here, and I just will stop playing them. I just won't. You know. 
<laughs> oh, you stop playing him. You won't stop playing. You yeah. stop playing him. No, no, I'll stop playing him. He just won't be able to go with me no more. It's kind of like uh, racing your dad, huh? Uh, yeah. Did you beat your dad running? Either one of you ever beat your dad running? No. No. Never beat. Well, never beat my dad running. I remember running against my dad all the time when I was little. Thinking I could beat him, he used to smoke me. He never let me win. But uh, I, I don't think he ever raced me when I was faster than him either. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, well, yeah. my dad. But I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really race my dad like that. Um, because I didn't like running distance, and you know he's twenty year military, yeah. so he wanted to run yeah. distance, and I was like, you can have that. Yeah. I understand. Well, hey, Trey and I, uh, when he was in the sixth grade, we ran a 5K together. And, uh, you know, I ran it in 24 and some change, which is not bad. And he beat me by a minute. So (laughs) in a a real race, I I wasn't going to let it happen. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that was good. But, hey, man. Uh, our time is about up here. I really appreciate you all coming on. And uh, I definitely wish you all much success in, in your Zaxby's uh, franchise. I hope you all get about five or six and go on the top uh, Coach Strange. And, and Andre, I hope you have a great season this year. And you all are uh, going and to the Super Bowl and going to get you that championship. Uh, but uh, thank, yeah, you. thank you all. That would be nice. And, and definitely going to put that last weekend in June on your on your uh, on your schedule, so we can go on and come down to that golf outing, and then we can go on and uh, run around with those kids on Saturday as well. Okay. All right. Hey. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, hey, yep. you all you. have a good one. We're gonna to go to break, and then we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Ladies and gentlemen. Let's get ready to rumble!
Brown breaks a couple of tackles. Headline got to go. Headline got to go. He could. Hey, we're back. This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Radio Show. Uh, happy to have everybody out tonight. We just got finished uh, speaking with Andre Roberts and Duran Lawson, who are actually the owner of Zaxby's up in the Virginia area. And next in line, uh, uh, moving from two guys that I had opportunity to coach to a young man that I had opportunity to uh, play with. And actually, he actually tells some bad stories every time I used to run into his back, but we won't believe that one. But I have Morris <laughs> with us. Morris, how you doing? Hey, East Sands, what's happening? How you doing? I'm doing good, bro. Doing good. How's everything your way? It's good, man. Just uh, just leaving football practice with my son. He just decided he wanted to play, <laughs> and I uh, and those stories are indeed true. You're the reason I have a bad back right now. If I didn't get out of the way, you gonna <laughs> if I didn't make a hole, you are gonna make one through my back. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey. Well, well, my philosophy was, uh, you know, I didn't want to lose yardage, so I just had to sometimes <laughs> help everybody get out of the way. But, uh, hey, it was all maybe, good, man. We had a, had a great time. Definitely, and and that's sort of I, I, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the credit for it that that you are now one of the most sought after bases uh, performing in the upper world today. Um, you have regular appearances <laughs> at the Met. You made your debut in 2002 uh, in, in, I guess, am I saying this right, Fidelio? Did I say that yeah, correctly? good. That was good, yeah. Yeah. And and you haven't looked back since. So I'm looking at it as, you know, I was just helping to propel you, one, in being an All-American, <laughs> and two, to go on and help deepen your voice so you can go on and sing the way you can. <laughs> Yeah, you compel me to be an All-American because I knew if I didn't knock that guy out of the way, you're going to knock me out of the way. And uh, <laughs> two, yeah, I decided that football probably isn't for me. Singing a lot more easy. So <laughs> thank you, Chance. Who knew that that was uh, <laughs> it was, uh, was a foreshadowing of what a future would end up being. So I appreciate your effort. Thank you. <laughs> hey, anything I can do to help a, anything I can do to help, a do a, help a single man, you know, I, I definitely. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> Now, how tell us about this story? Now, again, you 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 was a All American offensive lineman at the Citadel, and you've propelled into an opera giant. How did that transition happen? Well, the transition reads a lot faster and a lot easier than it actually occurred. Um, but the reality is that was my journey. I I left the Citadel and went to work in corporate America. I worked for 3M for a number of years, and then I left there and worked for uh, worked for Exxon, uh, division of Exxon, selling thermoplastic elastomers. And, uh, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, and you're witness to this because I did it with you, mm-hmm. part of my singing was just at teammates' weddings. You know, I sing at your wedding back in uh, exactly. Hartwell County, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I, and I did it. I did it for free, so I think you owe me something now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when we do I, our 25-year renewal, 
uh, in a couple of years, we'll bring you back. Okay, and I'll, I'll have my my people will call your people. <laughs> <laughs> But, yo, I mean, the extent of my musical uh, outlet at that time was singing the Lord's Prayer at a lot of weddings and singing the National Anthem at Sporting Event says, when I auditioned for the opera, uh, when I auditioned for this weekend program at the New England Conservatory, which is kind of just put in place for working professionals who like opera and want to give it a chance, you know, just kind of sing on the weekends, I joined a program mm-hmm. like that, and I sang the National Anthem, and they heard me and said, you should be in an opera program. So that's kind of what started me. And then I was doing a production with them, and the director of music from Boston University heard me and walked up to me and said, I'm going to make an offer to you that can change your life if you want to pursue it. She says, I run one of the most, mm. you know, prestigious programs in the country, and if, if I, I think you have a good chance of making it in because I run it, and it's full scholarship with a stipend, and uh, it can change your life. So I took her up on that offer. I learned some music and went and auditioned for them, and, yeah, I never looked back. I got, I got into that program and started getting roles at the local opera company immediately, and it just right. kind of took off from there. You know, yeah, I never had a German, Italian, French, Russian diction lesson. Never took stage combat. Never did any of that stuff. I learned most of my stuff on the fly. But you know, I attribute that okay. to I attribute that to my physical education and my time on the football field, just being able to adapt and overcome mm-hmm. and learn a lot and be right. coached and being able to take the coaching that you get and apply it immediately unless you get screamed at or yelled at. So uh, I was prepared for this uh, just by participating in organized sports. So I think it all kind of comes together. Now, was that yelling at, was that you referring to the football field, or was that happening in the opera house? No, No, that happens in both. Uh, Believe it or not, my first professional opera rehearsal was with Boston Lyric Opera, and – I told this story actually at the commencement speech that I did at the Citadel in, 19, in 2017. But, uh, yeah, my first rehearsal, the conductor was so mean and so hard on me. And he didn't yell, but he, you know, he played mind games to the point that if I didn't have that, you know, intestinal fortitude and mental toughness that I gained in the football field in the Citadel, I would have given up on the first day, man. They, people are very demanding in this business. They grow up listening to it. And they have certain standards that they want you to achieve. And, you know, you and I didn't grow up listening to this music, so we don't know what the standards are, but to be honest with you, yeah. you know, you can adapt and learn stuff really quickly when the pressure's on if you apply yourself. So, um, yeah, that's how it happened, man. There's another brother from Conway, actually, that sings in the Metropolitan Opera Chorus, and I can't yeah. think of his name right now. He knows you. Mm. I got to think of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that. man. So it's a uh, – what's that? It's somebody from Conway singing opera. I'm gonna find out You've who seen that is. the Met Opera Chorus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In the Met Opera Chorus. Yeah. He's in... Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can pull it up. I'll I'll figure it out before the show's over with. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, sounds good. Sounds good. Now, I imagine this is had the opera has had you uh, across the world, learning different languages. Um, how is that? I mean, is it? I would imagine if you're learning the language, you can you speak all those languages now, or is it more just I, learning the song? No, so you know, one of the first things I did when I got to the Metropolitan Opera was I uh, I went to uh, Italy. Um, mm-hmm. They sent me to Italy 
the summer of 2002 to learn Italian. So I stayed with an Italian family. I was there for a few months, and I took Italian lessons with this family three times a day. I had three meals a day with that family, and I lived in Italy. I went and walked the streets, rode the cabs, did all that stuff. And I spoke Italian the whole summer, you know. And uh, so I got mm-hmm. moderately fluent in it. I wasn't fully fluent, but I was able to converse. I was conversational in it. And then the following mm-hmm. year, I did the same thing in Germany, you know. And I went to German, which was a lot less easy to digest, I guess, because once that hard drive gets full, you can only, you know, put so much in your brain. So, But I, I, yeah. I gained a, a huge familiarity with these languages so that when I sing in them, my inflection of the language, it sounds as though I know, you know, I speak it uh, natively. So that's important. So I did that part. It was really cool. Yeah, it's a good experience. Okay, so that I think they call, was that inclusion. Is that what they call it? Uh, inclusion learning. Uh, immersion. Um, totally immersion. Immersion. That's what it is. Immersion. Yeah. So, yeah, so that immersion. Immersion. Yeah. You know, when I was at uh, Elon. Um, you know, I started my my collegiate coaching career off at Elon. I was going to do an immersion deal down in Mexico, I think it was, because there was a like a little yeah. Spanish club, and I was I already uh, put my deposit down. I was going to go uh, down in in uh, Mexico for a couple of weeks and just be immersed. Mm-hmm. In, but then the Citadel called, and I went and took that job, so I never went. So. My that? Spanish is not really good. Because, um, <laughs> you know, we eat a lot of Italian around here. Um, where was the food better? In Italy or Germany? You said Italy or Germany? Yeah. Oh, God, Italy. <clears throat> Italy? Yeah, Italy by far. Yeah. It's, uh, that's Italy, I mean, if like we have here... The Italian food we have here is just an imitation of what they do over there. We're talking fresh herbs, fresh everything. Nothing's ever frozen. Fresh pasta, mm-hmm. cooked al dente. You know, just a whole different approach, bro. It was it was incredible. I mm-hmm. you know yeah, Italy's incredible. I mean, I was in I was in Austria last year, singing at the okay. Volksoper in uh, in Vienna Volksoper Vienna Austria, and the food there was pretty good. They do a lot more meat there than they do in Italy, so that was cool. But Overall, yeah, the food in Italy is just incredible. Yeah, right, right. So, so it's better to go to Italy, not just eat Italian, but go to Italy and really taste what that food is like. <clears throat> you know, I found a few restaurants here. One of them is here in Peachtree City, where the gentleman is actually from Florence, which is where I studied. And I walk okay. in, and he's like, "Buongiorno, come by," and I say, "Buongiorno, come by." If I let he said, Perché tu parli italiano? I said, Ho studiato in Tedesco 15 anni fa. And we just started talking, and he was just like freaked out because, you know, it was, uh, yeah, so it, he, now his food is really authentic. But, you know, if you go somewhere and they yeah. speak the language, they're bringing it in, you know, so. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so when the next time I come to Peachtree City, we're going to have to go check that out. We'll go check and it out, bro. We'll be good. A good taste of the Italiano. <laughs> I think you should let me speak it though, okay? <laughs> I definitely do that. I would definitely do that. Okay. Yep. The um now you said that your son is at football practice. How's how's football going for him right now? They they're playing already in Georgia, right? Yeah, they're playing. They're going full win, man. Uh they had one game which they should have lost and 
the miracle ending. They they threw a screen pass with, <clears throat> with about fifty seconds on the clock and went sixty yards untouched and won the game. So uh, wow. he's not you know wow. he's this is his first year playing. He's never played before, but uh, you know he's he's a kid that said I'll never play football. I'll never play, and uh, he's out there. And I think he kind of likes it, but he'll never tell me he likes it because that would be too <laughs> much. Like, man, and then man, I told you so. But uh, yeah, he's out there. He's putting the work in. He's putting the weight room in. He's getting a little swag. His little body's changing and getting a little V to him. Right. So it's uh, it's all working out for him pretty good. Yeah, he's gonna start the B team game, the uh, JV game on Thursday. So okay, which I imagine he's an offensive line or a defensive line. No, he's an offensive line. I mean, <laughs> okay. you can imagine he's a he turned fifteen in July. He's six two. He walked in at three oh eight. So I think wow. they got him down to about two, probably about two ninety right now. But he's okay. getting up and uh, getting a little bit more agile, and he, you know, he's figuring it out. He's figuring it out. He's a tough okay. kid. Right. right. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Yeah. His, his dad's gonna start coming out of, him. or is it his mom? Which one is? It? <laughs> probably both. <laughs> <laughs> probably will both, man. Well, good, good. Now they uh, actually here in South Carolina. Their first varsity game is not till next Friday, and okay. and actually, and my son, they actually he's in eighth grade. They just started practice yesterday, and I think their first game is next week. It's either next week or the following week. Okay. So it's, it's like two weeks away. Uh, so so they okay. getting ready. I think it's two weeks. That first varsity game. So so they're just getting ready to get started here. Um, but how was eighth, the, eighth grade playing varsity? No, 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 no. He's playing eighth grade. He's playing yeah. middle school. Okay. Yeah, he's playing. Okay, okay. No. Uh-uh. Well, he, we, we're not that Is, is he a chip off the old block? Is he a running back? <laughs> Actually, he's a receiver in a, in a corner. Okay. Uh, contrary no, to what people believe, <laughs> he, he can run. You know, he, he's got some wheels on well, kind of like his brother. His, his brother was pretty fast as well. And uh, you know the speed came from me. The speed came from me. He says you you are you are pretty fast, man. I mean you you know you you, you I never yeah, seen you get I, caught from behind. Yeah, yeah, ever. Yeah. I was fat. I was faster than Jack. We had Jack on last week. I was faster than Jack. I was faster than Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? And you know we always give Jack a hard time. We always oh, do. He, he, oh, yeah. he wasn't a fake-out type of guy. He wasn't a fast-twitch type of guy. You know what Jack did, though? He just was a daggone win. football player that yep. can win. <laughs> the end, you know? Like, yep. we and would not have beat Carolina it. without Jack, you know? Yep. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, I, I, I still never forget that day. You know, they put in the newspaper the only way the Citadel could win is if Jack Douglas was Jamel Holloway. And the Citadel's wishbone was Oklahoma's. That's exactly what they said. And they messed. They messed Prediction fifty-five to zip. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And they done. They done uh, raised the wrong roof and got them boys from the Citadel rolling. And, and you know what? As you I were, think back on that. It, it could have been twenty-one to nothing. We were up, but we had that fake field yep. goal that didn't that, that we overthrew. Yep. I tell you what, man. Uh, you were a young guy, but I remember Coach Taft stood at the front of his room. God bless his soul. We all stood in the front of the room, 
And read that doggone prediction to us, looked at us yeah. and said, now it's your team. I'll see what you're going to do about it. And he walked out the room. Yep. yep. There was no pregame strategy. There was nothing but this is pride. <laughs> just, it's just something. Yeah. Well, that's true. And I knew we were going to, I knew we were going to win then. Yep. Yep. That was uh that that was a great day. A great day. A great it didn't day. hurt that we had a sophomore fullback that could run through anything and <laughs> wait, we had two freshman yeah. tailbacks too. We had Cedric and uh Eric Little, didn't we? Yeah, well no, it was uh uh Wimbush. Wimbush. Yep, Wimbush. That's right. Wimbush. Cedric was a sophomore. Talk about some speed. Yeah. Yep. And uh that was, uh, you know, some people talked about a hey, the Citadel. You know, uh, they they weren't very good back in the day. But I tell you what, one of the things that that was brought to the table, there weren't going to be too many more hard nosed guys that been lined up uh, in, in that early nineties, and and went into the game believing they could win every game that they stepped on the field. And I think that combination <clears throat> definitely brought a lot of victories. A lot of victories. You know, I think that. It was the attitude, what, what we didn't have in athleticism. We had some athletes. We had mm-hmm. the attitude. We had the swag. And, and 90, I think 90% of the games that we lost wasn't because we, we, got, we beat ourselves. We made mistakes. You know, exactly. We, exactly. We, we didn't just get physically beat ever, you know. No. No. Look at that Air Force yeah. game. We lost, by, we lost Air Force by a field goal. Yep. Hey, I, I, that's another one I know to get. Coach Taft, do that pin down. I get to risk it. Remember, Fisher came to the locker room and talked to us. Say that again. Fisher DeVere came to the locker room after the game and apologized to us and commended us. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was, that was you know, that's the only Division One team that I lost to there. Because uh, we, we beat every other Division One team that we played. In my era, we, so. we should have beat them. We we missed four field goals and they yep. kicked one. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Hey, Gunner. I know it, man. That's the only one I wish I had back, bro. That one. <laughs> yeah, yep. But hey, we got the memories, though. We got the memories. We got the memories. We got them. So. We got them. Yep. Now this, just going, just digressing a little bit. I imagine you have not performed in a while. Because I imagine they haven't been too many opera houses open. Um, so what have you been doing during COVID? You know, it's one of those things that came as a surprise. You know, no no one predicted this. We didn't know what was going to happen. We just – Tim Wilburn calling me, interrupting me. I had just finished singing Porgy and Bess here in Atlanta. And uh, mm-hmm. I was in Dallas rehearsing, and all of a sudden everything shut down, man. I found myself without any work, without any performances for the rest of 2020, for the most part. Right. So I came back home and just kind of retooled, man, and said, hey, you know, I got all this time at home. First thing I did was start working out with my son. You know, he was, you know, got him started doing workouts and stuff, which, you know, I'm never home. I never get time with my family. So that was a big thing, you know, being able to do that. And then I, mm-hmm. you know, just started doing things around the house and getting things together and, I started working out, started trying to do all, you know, just, 
I found myself busier because everybody wanted to talk about the pandemic and what you're doing. And then we had, you know, a lot of these racial incidents take place. So I found myself being a black opera singer and being one of the more prominent ones. I found myself doing a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of explaining and a lot of, uh, you know, situational type of control and writing statements and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, we did some virtual concerts. I did a few virtual concerts, did a lot of interviews, a lot of Zoom calls, and uh, just been really busy, man. I I got my boat redone. That was something that, you know, I figured if I'm going to be stuck at home and we can't hang out with other people, I can get my family yeah. out. We can go out and ride around. So I got my boat redone, and uh, just about every week I've been out on my boat at least once or twice and just, you know. That's good. Uh, I live on the lake. You've been in my house, Tim Wilburn, and a lot of other mm-hmm. little guys here. Social social distancing, they come by in pairs and wave at me through the window and fish in the backyard because I got a little lake in the backyard too. And just that kind of stuff, man. Just small things that I don't get to enjoying what God has blessed me with because I'm never yeah. around to appreciate and enjoy it, you know. So that's been the biggest thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I saw, and uh, I think it was on Facebook, where you just recently received a diversity and inclusion certification from Cornell. Um, oh yeah, I, for, I forgot I did that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a, a pretty good deal there. Um, well, you know, so, good. I'm sorry, I cut you. I'm sorry, sir. No, I'm. I'm just, I was just ask you how you know what brought that about and how has that impacted you? Yeah, well, so as I was saying when I was called upon several times to address things about the, like the George Floyd thing and Breonna Taylor thing and, you know, Black Lives Matter and how uh, lack of diversity. I was doing an interview and I, I made a statement and said that, you know, I've been singing opera for over 20 years and I've never had a black conductor, black CEO, black director, black stage manager, black president. You know, I've never had any of those things in the opera world. And that statement went viral. So I was doing a lot of a lot of meetings and a lot of explaining of this type of situation because it's all true. And I said, you know, companies are calling on me like I'm an expert in this subject matter. My expertise is I'm black and I have life experiences. And, you know, although those are very valid, I don't know if that's valid enough to, to bring, you know, validity and context to the subject matter if I'm going to be addressing organizations. So one of my colleagues mm-hmm. was like, you know, <clears throat> they got these courses you can take, and some of them are at Ivy League schools, and, you know, you can, if you enroll in it now, you'll be done with it before September. And mm-hmm. I called, I started Googling, you know, looking around, I saw that Harvard had one, and USC had one, and Yale had one, but they were all done by outside sources. And the one at Cornell actually came from Cornell professors. It was Cornell University certified. It wasn't a, a third-party deal, and so I, I interviewed for it because, you know, you fill out the application, you call, they interview you to see if you have the, you know, the capacity to pull, pull it off. And uh, I did it, and uh, I passed the interview back at Cornell, man. So I said, I'm going to do this course. And uh, it's been really enlightening, you know. Um, a lot of things that you experience, a lot of things that you see from lack of education, we don't know what is And I also, uh, <clears throat> the challenging aspect is these courses are built for businesses and corporations. So trying to retrofit okay. it into the arts organization has been 
one of the challenging things, but I think I'm, you know, I'm putting together a presentation and working with some other people so we can actually figure out a way to to bring this knowledge to the op- to the classical music world and try to implement some of the things and strategies that I've learned there. So I'm looking forward. It hasn't yeah. impacted me just yet, but I'm looking at a way to market that such that, you know, Morris Robinson has been an opera singer. I need to be more than that. And people are asking me to be more than that, so I want to make sure I'm covering all the bases such that I'm legitimate with what I bring to the table outside the stage. So, yeah. Now, <clears throat> let me ask this question again, sort of shifting gears just a little bit um, as we get ready to come to a, to a close. Um, you know, one of the big things that we try to do here at the West Foundation is to help kids understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, I don't know how many actually – dream about being an opera singer, but I'm sure a lot of them dream about being something in the arts um, or in show business. What would you say to somebody, uh, a young athlete, that might want to uh, pursue a career in the arts or in show business? Well, you know, I don't know when a professional athlete of of relative fame that hasn't tried to make an R&B or a rap CD. Like, you know, they, we we think of the two worlds as not being similar, but they're very similar. And right. I would just say to the young cats that want to do this type of thing, the young men and women that want to do this, remember, you know, sports is, is not just about scoring touchdowns and shooting baskets and scoring goals. Sports teaches you a lot about life. The thing that I have to do as an athlete, I have to do as a professional artist sacrifice, practice, uh, coaching, ability to learn, performing under pressure, performing in front of crowds, uh, you know, body and shape. You know, these disciplinary things that you learn are going to be what I call transferable assets, transferable traits that you can mm-hmm. utilize across across different industries. So, don't quit playing sports. If you want to play sports, play sports, but also pick up an instrument that you want to play. Learn that. Take the time to practice. Cut off the PlayStation. Don't go outside and play with your buddies. You know, cut off the TV and really just get into it because it's the same level of discipline and commitment. And uh, these transferable skills will, will do you well in anything you want to do in life. So, uh, and, and this is for the parents, too. The parents that think it's a waste of time if your kid's not starting or he's not getting. No, it's not. You, you learn so many invaluable things. You participate in sports, and those things transfer, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you give me a kid that plays running back quarterback in high school and college, and I'll give you a kid I can turn into a CEO, you know, within four or five years because mm-hmm. that's leadership. You know, you give me an offensive lineman like myself, you know, I'm not going to get the glory. You know, you're going to get the glory, which is fine, but I'm going to do my job and make sure I'm pulling my weight such that it all, you know, everyone is successful. Same thing, you know, you might be a bass player. You're not going to be the, the, the lead violin or the trumpet player or the lead singer. I'm a bass singer. Uh, but these things, you know, you learn this level of discipline and commitment and self-sacrifice, and I think that's most important. And you also have to be realistic with yourself. You know, you're not going to be a six foot five, 290-pound kid and think you're going to play to put in. You know, you have yeah. to be realistic with your talents. You know, you can't – if you – if you're better at playing something than you are at singing something, you're probably not going to be a singer, you know, but, you know, you have to explore it all and find out and be realistic about what you're good at and then work really hard at being good at it, you know? Right. Okay. Well, great. Well, thanks for those words. 
Everybody here yeah, at the West Foundation uh, Sports Radio Show, we finishing up with Morris Robinson, a professional opera singer. Um, they used to be a offensive lineman, All-American at that. We definitely appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully sometime in the future we can get you back on. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show, and uh, thank you for having me, man. All right, thanks a lot. Well, hey, we're going to a short break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. We have a couple of guys uh, in the uh, I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that forest now, can't nobody tell me. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Always trying to be in the middle of everything. 
Um, school has just started. I know you all down in Berkeley County uh, started last week. How has the transition been to uh, get everybody uh, back in the classroom? Because I know different than here in, in Columbia, you all are actually in class, right? Yeah, we. Um, first of all, I I just want to say it. It seems like it's been, you know, two years since we were last in school. Uh, you know, we right. hadn't seen our mm-hmm. students since uh, hadn't seen our students since March twelfth, I believe, was the last day of school. And and no okay. one ever knew that when we shut down on March twelfth, that uh, right. that would be the last time for that school year. And so. Um, so we haven't seen our kids in a in a in a long time. I think what is that about six months? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we were able to you know serve them lunches and things like that uh, during the closure, and that's definitely a blessing. You know, looking out for some of those some of those students. But you know, as I mentioned, we're off the air. This is unprecedented. You know, we've not seen anything like this not in our lifetime. You know, the last time was nineteen eighteen, nineteen nineteen. And so there, there was no real uh, playbook, uh, not a modern playbook anyway. Um, but as far as preparing for the students in Berkeley County, we prepared three different options for our students. We had a, a virtual option, which they, they call that asynchronous, and that's uh, your material is online and you kind of go at your own pace. We had a blended right. option, and uh, with the blended option, the, the students actually stream into class uh, while they have a live a teacher teaching the course in real time. And so they get real live instruction in real time from the comfort of their home um, by right. streaming into the classroom. And then we have a traditional option, which is just like it sounds. That's your traditional face-to-face option. Uh, we did a survey of our parents in our communities and our students uh, to determine how they preferred to come back to school and mm-hmm. you know there was there was a mix but they definitely wanted that face-to-face option and so right uh, I believe as a combination about 56 percent of our parents and students chose to be blended or virtual and so you know your math guys so that means 44 percent of them chose to be in person and that 44 percent is spread out you know across the district um, in, in some places it's a little bit higher in some places, it's it's a little bit lower, but across the board, it was uh, you know forty four percent chose to come back to school in person, and so far okay. it's going well. Um, you know, it's been been just over a week now, and so far it's going well. Um, you know, we're we're managing the situation. You know, everyone's compliant with the with the physical distancing or the social distancing, uh, the the wearing of uh, you know the mask and you know, using mm-hmm. hand sanitizer and all of that stuff and um, disinfectant and, and those sorts of things and unique seating arrangements in the classroom. And so, you know, so far, so good. Okay, good. The, has it been an issue with some of the younger kids wearing their mask and everything, or have they been pretty compliant with that? Well, so, you know, we're, we're adhering to, um, you know, some of the local uh, – some of the local ordinances that um, some of the um, municipalities have, and then also the guidance that was sent out by by the governor. And so, with the local municipalities, you know, they exclude you know students that or children that are under the age of um, I want to say it's under the age of ten. Um, you know, they're not required to to wear their their mask 
at all times. But, um, you know, our, our teachers um, are extremely creative. Our, our teachers are talented and motivated. And so they present the information in such a way for kids, they want to be compliant. And so uh, they have brass right. decorating contests and um, teachers provide uh, the face coverings to students if they don't have them. Um, they, they do understand that, you know, a, a younger child, a um, primary age child is not going to be able to, to keep the, the mask on for the full seven hours of the school day and, um, and so they're they're quite understanding with that. They have uh, designated mask breaks and things of that sort. And so, um, as far as we we talked about, uh, as far as our district, we talked about developing and building a culture of compliance. Instead of being punitive, um, try to inform and educate all of our students and parents as to you know why we're doing the things that we're doing, and develop a culture of compliance. And so far, you know where we can, but uh, so far it seems to be working. Good, good. Now, the have you all changed? I know it's, tradi- it's the traditional choice with the people that are actually in class. Have you changed the way things are set up? Uh, you know, I was talking with some other people before school got out. And they were talking about doing an A day, B day, uh, or just different techniques to keep kids a little bit more separated. Is it more just the basic? class that you've seen throughout the years or you all change things up a little bit? So, you know, um, it, you hit on two things there. Um, you know, one, I'll, I'll talk about uh, the, the unique uh, physical setup of the classroom. And so uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that we, we did, you know, we have protective equipment in, um, in some of our classrooms that we were not able to achieve that, that physical distancing. So we, you've seen the, um, uh, I'm sure you've seen the, the plexiglass dividers, and so we we purchased yep. some of those mm-hmm. as well. Uh, one of okay. the things that we tried to do, though, is um, establish, like, what would be the maximum capacity in a classroom, you know, given the square footage and the social distancing guidelines. And so um, in most of our classrooms, it's around 15 or 16, and so we were able to adhere to that. And so there's, there's a lot of space in between uh, each desk, and you couple that with um, with with the mask and and other um, and other protective equipment, and so we we have that and uh, a, the use of technology as opposed to um, you know a lot of pencil and paper um, a lot of pencil and paper assignments. There's a lot of use of, of technology, um, but I want to go back to the different options. You know, we knew that space could be a potential issue and, you know, how do you design a classroom and um, how do you design the schedule? Do you do an A-Day, B-Day? And so what we were trying to achieve was the effects of an A-Day, B-Day um, without actually going A-Day, B-Day. You know, some of the issues we saw with an A-Day, B-Day would actually be child care, um, you know, for, for many of our families. And so, mm-hmm. you know, how, how does a parent – uh, in many cases, go about a working parent go about finding childcare every other day as opposed to right. every single day, um, and and so it, we we received some concern about that from uh, from many of the folks in our community, and so we wanted to achieve uh, that same fifty percent capacity because that's that's really what you're doing, uh, what you're trying to achieve when you go an A day B day is fifty percent capacity, and so mm-hmm. by Giving the different options, we achieved 
the 50% capacity actually got a little bit better than that. And so we're less than 50% across the board again, less than 50% mm-hmm. every day of the week. And so, you know, we, we achieved that. Um, however, some of the schools are doing some creative things with their schedule uh, to allow, you know, the, the classrooms to breathe and uh, they can uh, disinfect, you know, prior to the next group of students coming in. Um, I know one group is going, um, they're not an A day, B day per se. Uh, the kids come to school every day, but um, they have uh, two courses or two classes per day. And so that means, you know, they're in there for an extended period of times, and the teachers, they'll do brain breaks and um, they'll do just physical breaks, you know, get up, stretch your legs sort of thing. Um, but that decreases the amount of movement within the school. And so uh, you don't have as much uh, opportunity to uh, to cross-contaminate, if you want to call it cross-contaminate, or you minimize the risk for exposure by minimizing the amount of uh, movement throughout the school. Right. Okay. All right. Good. The, um, <clears throat> now, have they started middle school? I know high school is starting next Friday. Um, have they started middle school athletics? or what's happening on the athletic side? So Berkeley County is, um, I'm learning this, Berkeley County is kind of unique in this, right? Um, we we do not have middle school athletics. Um, okay. We lean heavily and partner with our youth uh, organizations um, in, our, in our recreational leagues uh, within Berkeley County. Um, but we do have sub-varsity, and our sub-varsity, you know, they compete uh, under the auspices of um, – of, of their local high school and the South Carolina High School League. And so our B team is primarily uh, consists of middle school students. You may have a sprinkle of ninth grade students on there. And, um, okay. you know, C teams, if a, if a school chose to have a C team, you know, those are made mm-hmm. up of uh, middle school students. But primarily, you know, those younger kids, the sixth graders, the seventh graders, they may – uh, participate with their local youth organization or their recreational league. Okay. Well, that is a little different. The um, and then high school is starting next week. The how was that transition from a COVID perspective? How has that been? So I I will tell you um, our high school coaches. I'll just focus on football here for a second since that. Uh, I know many may may argue with me, but um, it, it's the real big ticket sport of the season, of the fall season. And so our high school coaches were chomping at the bit. It's um, it's uh, you know we had to take a methodical approach, um, had to adhere to DHEC recommendations in the South Carolina High School League, and we stayed. Uh, the high school league had a three phase entry plan. Uh, back to athletics, and we stayed in phase one for a very long time. From uh, from June uh, until August, we stayed in phase one, and then August they allowed us to go to 1.5. And um, in in September 8th, last uh, last Tuesday, they allowed us to open the full season. And so um, it's been a long time coming. Uh, phase one consisted of uh, you, you could have groups no larger than 10, and the coach counted as a member of the group. 
Every wow. individual had to wear face covering, um, even mm-hmm. the athletes when they weren't involved when in a drill, um, you could not share equipment, and that included a ball. You could not share a ball, so that made it very difficult to do, <laughs> uh, like, team activities. A quarterback can throw right. the ball, uh, but the wide receiver couldn't catch the ball. I mean, it was um, <laughs> it was very challenging. Yeah, yeah, it was very challenging, and so there was a lot of creativity and, um, you know, having uh, the unique perspective um, – in, in serving as our district's athletic director, I had an opportunity to go around and observe, you know, all of the different practices at, you know, all of the, the, the eight schools in our, in our zone, well, excuse me, in our, in our district. And um, there's a lot of creativity there. They got a lot done. Um, I know our students, yeah. our student athletes definitely benefited um, by having that opportunity to, uh, to go out, and be amongst their teammates, uh, being a, um, a a controlled setting, um, and being with uh, being with their coaches, and so um, just a break from being in quarantine. You know, you could tell that the student athletes appreciated it. You can tell that the coaches appreciated it as well. Um, but moving into this season, you know, everyone was ready. Um, they they wanted to they wanted to go full go. Uh, there were some talks of postponing the football season to uh, to the spring. Um, and when I say spring, you know, late January, early February. Um, mm-hmm. But our, our folks were ready to go, and they are uh, certainly glad that you know that was not the decision. And you know, they're they're fully they're fully ready to go. The first game, um, first regular season game is next Friday. Um, right. we, we'll have a lot of games going on uh, next week, and in Berkeley County, we actually have um, we participate in the jamboree this Friday. Um, okay, the Lions Club jamboree they hosted at um, at Berkeley High School, and so we will have I believe it's uh, I believe it's six uh, six of our schools uh, teams that are participating in the jamboree, and that will right. be this Friday night. Uh, Berkeley High School in Monk's Corner uh, starts at six o'clock, I believe. Mm, I know those kids are ready to get back out there and and, and play some ball. So I know a lot of them absolutely put up. And for them not being able to have a spring, I think this fall is even more important just from a recruiting standpoint, because a lot of times, you know. Kids really get noticed during spring practice, and being that they didn't have spring this year, that's going to make the fall even that more important. And there are some kids that definitely already got their offers and they're good, but I think even most of the, a lot of the Power Fives still have a lot of guys that they're not sure about. So there'll be some more offers that are that'll be coming here during the fall. And I've I've been hearing a lot of that, um, and. You know, obviously, you have far more experience uh, at the collegiate level uh, than than I do. Um, But I've been hearing a lot about that as far as recruiting, and I'm not sure how um, how the recruiting is going to look. You know, this this season, you know, based on COVID and and everything that's going on. So I'm not sure what type of restrictions. Um, either the NCAA is going to put in place or the respective institutions may put in place 
um, with respect to their coaching staff and recruiting. So it's it's going to be yep. an interesting ride. But um, you know, our our student athletes definitely deserve that opportunity. Definitely, definitely. And the the other thing is, it is from what I understand is a dead period right now. So yes, sir. Can't come up. The kids can't come on campus. Uh, right. And, and another aspect is if they extend these seniors another year, then that's one less scholarship, or, or how are they going to do that? Are they going to give more scholarships? I mean, there's a lot of unknown there, which will affect what happens with these kids and the scholarship offers. So it's 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 going to be interesting. And, uh, and NCAA is going to be here sometime soon, make some decisions and, and release something. Well, I, I certainly hope they make some decisions because um, it, at least initially, you know, from a from an outsider's perspective and the layman's point of view, it appeared like the uh, NCAA came out and said, yes, you know, we'll allow these seniors to have another year. Um, and in one breath said, uh, you know, it would be up to the institution. Uh, I think the institutions may have felt obligated to say, okay, um, they would do it, um, you know, just acting in good faith. But I don't know if anyone ever thought it out all the way through, you know, how, how long is this going to go on? Uh, will they yeah. gradually take away scholarships or reduce back down the number of scholarships? Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. You're right. Hopefully some guidance comes out soon. Yep, exactly. Now, speaking of scholarships in college, your son um, is up there at Duke. I know they, they didn't turn out the way they wanted to this past weekend, but uh, he had a pretty good game. Um, but how has the whole again COVID is, is of course they affected sports a lot. How has that affected his preparation? How has that affected, you know, the beginning of the season for them? From a parent's perspective. Well, I I'll, I'll tell you, um I'll tell you what and and we'll go a couple of things. You know, first I, I do want to talk about my son, um uh, for for those that are listening my namesake, so it's uh Dion Jackson. He, you know, he changed his number in the off season. He's now wearing his high school number, number four. But um, he he's extremely focused, um, and has always been extremely focused. And so his individual um, preparation, um, I I don't know if it's if it was affected um, as far as from a from an individual standpoint. The the bigger thing right. that you know we were concerned about was um, you know the the team prep, the group prep. Um, you know, things of that nature. Um, you know, in the off season, they got a new quarterback and uh, they got a transfer quarterback, Chase Bryce, from Clemson. And so uh, as, as talented as Chase is and as much training as he's had, you know, it's a totally different system, totally different system, totally different group <clears throat> of athletes, different team, different coaching staff. And so and, – and to boot, um, you know, Chase was still – a Clemson student until he graduated. And so by the time he had an opportunity to come to come to Durham, you know, things have been shut down. And so not right. a lot of, I'm sure he had the playbook, but playbook doesn't, um, can't simulate timing, uh, can't simulate, um, you know, the, uh, uh, how, how your teammates are going to react um, and your, your mm-hmm. interaction with the teammates. And so it does not simulate all of that. And so that was the biggest concern you know, how quick were they going to be able to gel? Um, and so, it, it, you know, you, you referenced last week's game. 
um, in, in Notre Dame, their perennial powerhouse, and uh, for three quarters there, I think they hung in tough. They made a few mistakes that um, that they probably wished they could take back. Um, but you know, for uh, for 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 a Duke team that has a new quarterback and um, you know uh, inexperienced on on the perimeter, and I think they had a, a their their big time center. Uh, got injured and he's out for the season, so they had to replace the center. You know they played pretty well. Um, I like to talk about Duke for a moment. And as far as you know, you mentioned from a parent's perspective, and I think um, the Duke staff um, and and the athletic um, the administration and athletics, they did about everything they could to reassure parents that you know their their children were safe. Um, they hosted a number of of Zoom calls, um, mm-hmm. just hosted a number of Zoom calls to discuss protocol as it relates to COVID. Um, you know where the students would be, where where, where your children would be staying. Um, you know the the tests that they would be uh, administering. Um, obviously, they're in the ACC, so they have to be tested at least three times a week. The tests uh, that they're taking. Um, they were developed actually at the medical university, which is located on Duke's campus. And so uh, there was no shortage of supplies. You know, they could, you know, they were making the test. Uh, they were, um, you know, administering the test and getting the results of the test all on site. And so, um, you know, it's, that was probably one of the safest places that they could be. Uh, they kept in, uh, kept all of the, they, they essentially made a bubble, um, which I think they went back to here recently. Uh, they made a bubble, um, and you know all of the the players are staying at the Washington Duke, and that's where they're uh, they set up uh, entertainment uh, for them. Uh, obviously, the meals, um, you know, they're taking their classes uh, online. I think uh, the entire campus went to that delivery method of uh, delivering the instruction online, and um, yeah, so. You know, it's it's probably one of the safest places. And I think the surrounding areas, uh, you talk about a Chapel Hill, you talk about Raleigh and mm-hmm. and, and those areas, um, they've had a significant spike at, at one time or another, significant spikes in cases of uh, COVID-19, and that did not exist on the campus of Duke University, either the East Campus or the West Campus. Well, good. Good. Yeah, you know my son's over at Vanderbilt, and they're making yes, all sir. of the all of the students take a COVID test every Friday. So every Friday, they have oh, to all go of over the students, every student's got to go take a test wow. on Friday. Every Friday. Wow. Um, wow. But one of the things they've kept their numbers down. Um, so the week before last, they had a total of twenty six cases on campus, which is like point zero five percent, which is like right. you know, almost nothing. So. Um, it was definitely uh, something about statistically insignificant. Yep, that they're doing what they're supposed to do, and uh, I yes, think sir. that's that's key. And I think if we across America were sort of staying in line with the CDC, we got opportunity to be able to fill those stadiums again sooner Absolutely. rather than later. Absolutely, uh, which, which would be good because it's it's not just for the fans that want to be in the stadiums, but the players want the people back in the stadium as well. That's part of the game experience. And uh, so hopefully we can go in and get back to that before long and we'll see what happens. But as you know, there's a lot of unknowns 
And we just got to keep fighting and keep rolling. But, hey, I'm sorry. No, I said we, we seem to be moving in the right direction. Yep, I think we are. I think we are, and hopefully we can continue to do that. Because, one, here in Columbia, the thought was that they're going to start virtual, and if the numbers go down, then they'll go to uh, more of a blended, so part virtual, part face-to-face, and then if the numbers continue to go down, then they'll get back into the school. I'm not sure the time frame of that. My wife keeps me in check and, you know, in, in the know with all of that, uh, but, but hopefully we can move to that. Because I know the kids here, being that they're all virtual, miss being with their friends um, face-to-face. So I know there's Absolutely. a lot of positives, you know, from a mental standpoint, um, being face-to-face with their friends. And so, but, hey, Dion, we definitely appreciate you uh, coming on tonight and sharing with us. And uh, sometime during the season, we'll see if we can get you back on, especially since you're the athletic director for the for the county as well. So we can keep up with one of, one on of the many hats. Time. Hey, one of the many hats. That, so yeah, anytime you just just let me know, and uh, I'll be more than happy to jump on. I, I appreciate you for thinking of me um, and, and inviting me to come on, and um, I certainly appreciate the space that you have. You're doing a doing a fantastic job, um, giving the people what they want to hear. I appreciate. It. Now, one before we go, before we go again, the you know this is based off of, of the nonprofit foundation, the West Foundation. If you could, just give a word, Um, because what we want our kids to understand is that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. And as you know, there's a very small amount of people that get a chance to be a professional athlete. But for those young people that that have those aspirations, um, and we want to make sure that regardless of when they finish their sport, because they might get get a chance to play for 15 years, um, they still got to deal with life after their sport, what words would you give to them? The, the words I would give is, is find your passion. And that, that sounds cliche. You know, that, that's the old cliche, you know, you find your passion, you do it, you never work a day in your life. Um, and that sounds cliche, but it's definitely true. You find your passion, you pursue it with all of your might. You pursue it with all of your might, and you may not become the richest person in the world, um, but you will surely, uh, you will surely, have that happiness uh, and, and enjoyment and fulfillment about your life. Um, but many times you'll be, you'll be surprised, and there often is uh, some, some, uh, some finances, some money attached to it, and you find out how, you know, you can turn it into a – turn it and grow it into a business. And so, again, what I would say is, you know, find your passion um, and, and take your academics seriously. Take your yes. academics seriously. Find your passion and pursue your passion with all your might, with all your soul, um, with all your might. Well, good. Well, hey, man, we appreciate those words. Uh, everybody, this is Dion Jackson, the assistant superintendent from Berkeley County, and this is Everett Sands with the West Foundation uh, Sports Radio Show. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. I can't begin to know 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Show, and I think we've had a really good night tonight. Um, we had a great guest list. I think we had some great conversation. You know, we started the day off, scholarship momentum, talking about how kids can find scholarships, non-athletic scholarships. Um, they're actually going to have a free, F-R-E-E, free webinar on Sunday at 7 o'clock. Um, you can sign up for that at scholarshipmomentum.com. That's S-C-H-O-L-A-R-S-H-I-P, Momentum, M-O-M-E-N-T-U-M.com. So make sure you go there, sign up if you're interested. If you have a kid in high school 
Um, you definitely want to go, and, and regardless if he's a freshman or he or she is a freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior, you want to go there so you can pick up some tips um, of how to find some scholarships. Because I promise you, you don't want to be uh, one of those that Dr. Sands talked about in your 60s still paying for your college education. I don't think that will be fun at all. Uh, next we had on, um, we had Andre Roberts. He's currently with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he's had a pretty good career in the NFL and still moving along, expecting some big things out of him on the football field. Uh, but he and his partner, um, Duran Lawson, they uh, they actually own his Zaxby's. Um, they uh, are doing well. Um, I think it's later this week is uh, year one that they've uh, completed with Zaxby's, and they're definitely doing some good things there. Then we had a professional opera swing on, Morris Robinson. He was an offensive lineman. He was actually an All-American offensive lineman um, at the Citadel, and then he's got opportunity um, from his story. Somebody heard him singing the national anthem at a baseball game and invited him to come try opera, and he has been doing it now for 20 years. And he's been doing a great job and uh, has had a successful career. And looking for him to do many more. I haven't had a chance to hear him uh, actually sing opera yet. Now, I did hear him because he sung at my wedding, which he did a great job. And hopefully he won't charge me too much when my wife and I renew our vows uh, in a couple of years as we celebrate 25. Hopefully he won't hit me over the head too hard. Um, when we asked him to come back and, and sing again. Um, but Deron, excuse me, Morris, which is a professional name, um, we had him on. And then finally, we had Dion Jackson, um, who is the assistant superintendent and uh, just found out also is the athletic director for Berkeley County. Um, and he talked about, you know, the transition uh, for Berkeley County which about 44% of their students are actually in the classroom. And some of the things that they have in place to make sure they keep uh, those kids safe. And then also football season is getting ready to start up. And next week will be the first weekend. Uh, I think a lot of people will have scrimmages. Some of them will have jamborees this Friday. Uh, But next weekend, the 25th, um, will be the first night of football in the state of South Carolina. I think Georgia's already started. I think Florida's already started. We're excited to get some football high school-wise going here in the state of South Carolina. Um, But overall, we also talked about with with Dion, his son, who's a uh, a running back at at Duke, and uh, the things that they have in place there, which sounds like Duke's doing a great job making sure they're keeping those kids safe, keeping them separated from everybody else, and hopefully – we'll be able to get back into the stadiums before long. Um, Talk with Andre, how he was talking about how the game was with nobody in the stands, how it was kind of like a spring football game. Now, yes, the spring football game at the Citadel is a little different than the spring football game at University of South Carolina or at Clemson because they're going to have a lot of people in the stands. Uh, but at the Citadel, there might be 500,000, um, and it's not very loud. The competition is real, 
and, and that's what he experienced. The competition was definitely real, but you didn't have that fanfare, uh, which I think definitely affects the game. As we talked about, uh, uh, the home field advantage is sort of lost because there's no fans in, in the stands. And again, it's just not the fans that want to get back into the stands, but the players will like the fans to be in the stands as well because it does make a difference. Uh, so <clears throat> hopefully as things continue to move better, we'll be able to get more and more people um, at games, and that way we can get that roar of the crowds back again, which I know there is a roar, but it is not a real roar. And that real roar is something different. So we're definitely uh, going to try to meet personally, and I think hopefully everybody is going to do the things that they can to help us move in that direction. Now, you know, Dion uh, gave a good word about making sure that you follow your passion. One of the things uh, kind of related to that that I came across was remember, Big opportunities come from doing the small things with a big dose of passion, love, purpose, and excellence. Be faithful with what you have and where you are today. Don't chase success. Decide to get better every day. Do great work, and success will find you. And I think that's big right there. Again, if you decide to get better every day, and this is something that I had um, on my in my meeting room, and if you played for me over the last five, ten years, you heard me say it before. The goal isn't to be better than anybody else. The goal is to be better than I was yesterday. Because if you get better every day, by the end of it, you're going to be pretty doggone good. So that's the goal, to get better every single day. And it doesn't matter. I don't have to get better by leaps and bounds every day. If I can get better a little bit every day, then sooner or later it's going to be big. Um, Charles, glad to have you uh, back on with us. And I know we've sort of been quiet while we've been talking with everybody. Um, but uh, but we definitely had a great show. And uh, it's impactful. And a lot of different aspects. Uh, people doing a lot of different things from professional football player to um, one of his friends on Zaxby's. We got Opera. We got Assistant Superintendent. You know, it was a great night. Yeah. Good. I thought so too. Um, certainly enjoyed the, the Zaxby's uh, presentation uh, by Andre and his partner, and then of course with Morris. And uh, I was trying to comment on Morris. Uh, Morris is actually one heck of a grill master. Um, he does a lot of smoking of briskets and those kind of things. So, you know, in his free time of getting, relieving stress and really, you know, preparing his, his mental capacity, he, uh, he, he, he does a great job at uh, being a grill master. So, um, and so, no, it, it certainly has been a, a, a great uh, episode, uh, great information, impactful. Uh, and, and the hope is that, you know, our listeners – um, or are learning from it, and will take it, take heed, and, and be better people from it. Right, right. Now, one, we uh, 
and I, I probably should have brought you in and just our conversation more because you actually lined up beside Morris, right? Or were you on yeah, the other actually, side? Yeah. He he was he was my backup. Okay. He was my he he was behind me as right as right guard. Okay. My senior. Okay. So so he was so he learned from you. <laughs> yeah, that's what we would like to say. <laughs> I taught him everything he knows. Absolutely. Uh, now, now you sing a little bit too, right? So did you learn to sing it from him or he from you? Or y'all just learned, y'all just did it together? No, Mars will always tell you, and he published this nationally, that, that he wasn't the best singer on the team, but I was. But I'm like, I'm not making any money from that, so that really doesn't help me too much. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I think we, we you know, I've been singing all my life, and when we got to the Citadel, uh, me being an upperclassman, um, you know, we just end up, uh, you know, singing together several, you know, several opportunities to sing together, and then founding, founding the gospel choir. Um, we, we, of course, you know, did that for several years as, as well. But uh, he he has a gift uh, with that bass voice. He has a gift, and uh, and God has blessed him tremendously. And he's using it so. Mhm. That is true. And I that work, is true. And I, and I work a nine to five, so. <laughs> yeah. So, so what you're saying is, I I can uh I can do well for myself um when 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 those vows get renewed to get you and Morris there singing for me. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Yeah. We, we'll see if we can make that happen. All I'll right. get my we'll wife. All right. <laughs> She'll find I'm it. She'll it. find it. Trust, trust me, she oh, will okay. find it. <laughs> no doubt about it. So well good. Well hey, the um I guess we got a, a full week of of some more football coming. Now is it this week or next week when the SEC starts playing? They play on the twenty sixth, if I'm not mistaken, is their first okay, game. So that's next week. That's next week. So they got one more week before the SEC starts playing. Um, but we do have a full week of, of games this week. Is there any games that you plan on sitting down and watching? Uh, yeah, whatever comes on TV, we watch them all. So, um, again, we, we're used to being at games. So, uh, you know, we, we just ESPN, my wife's a huge football fanatic, and so she starts off first thing in the morning with college game day, and we go off to, uh, all the way to 11 o'clock at night to the last game. So, uh, whatever's on the schedule, we will be watching. Uh, right. I don't know if we have a have a favorite or not, but uh, we we we're gonna be on it. I hear you, and you know this is different for me. I'm usually being I'm used to being at the field, uh, exactly. catching the game <laughs> before we get started. Uh, so so being able to just sit back and watch what I want. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna have a honeydew list or not. I haven't I haven't gotten that word yet. Uh, but my excuse would be to not do it. Where maybe there's football on, so I have to watch. It is my duty to watch. And then you know our alma mater is actually going up to Clemson this weekend. Okay. Oh, that's right. The Citadel does play Clemson yep. this weekend. Yeah. Oh, they do. Be, that should be interesting. Well, we will certainly be watching that on the ACC network up here. Yep. Yeah, and they got they got Clemson. I think it's like a, a forty. Uh, the Citadel is like a forty-five point underdog. Uh, 
So we got to go on and, and make sure them boys take the uh, the road we, we used to like to take where if we're the underdog, that gives us more reason to fight and, and go out there and, and uh, go make some things happen. What do you, what do you think? You think the city will go, make, go surprise the world? Well, you know, any given Saturday, uh, you know, we've seen that in football. Uh, they would certainly have to be a little bit more consistent. You know, watching the game this past week, I, I thought it could have been a little bit more intensity, um, you know. Uh, but, you know, that's just me because that's just a tenacious bulldog football attack, attack, attack. But, uh, you know, if they play their game, they, it could be very interesting. Clemson is very talented. Uh, you know, uh, offense and defense, they, they, they have some pretty, pretty uh, – they're strong on both sides of the ball. But like I said, any given Saturday, everything can just come together. And not, it's not every day that they play against an option-type football team. So um, it'll be interesting, you know, if our guys focus and uh, believe in themselves that they can, can be a giant killer, then they can. If not, it will be a blowout. And, It'll, you know, be, a, be a, unfortunately a revenue maker for the program, and that's that. <laughs> no, hey, well, here's here's what I think the ideal situation would be. The Citadel gets the ball first. They go on a 15-play drive, score a touchdown. It's 7 or nothing, and it's six minutes to go in the first quarter. If they can somehow stop Clemson, um, let's say we go on and get a turnover, something happens, we get a turnover, and they go on another 15-play drive. Now it's eight minutes to go in the second quarter, and Clemson has the ball for two plays. Now it's time to go on and, and, and start pouring it on. Can that happen? Mm-hmm. It sure can. It, it, it was kind of similar to that when they played Alabama a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember that. Right. It was yep, uh, yep. pretty tight. 10 at, 10 at the half, sure was. Yep. So it's it, it is it is definitely uh, something where you can play the ball control um, and limit the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hand. Then you got a great shot of of making it a game. And if you can make it a game in the fourth quarter. If it's a game in the fourth quarter, uh, that's usually the to the benefit of the underdog because anything can happen at that point. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We can get them long play drives. You remember them long 15, 16 play drives we used to have back in the oh, day? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. And, that right, and, and that's all about execution, execution, execution. And, hey, that's that. It it takes a, a a little bit of discipline and and some definitely some good execution to have a fifteen sixteen play drive. Now, of course, you like to get some big plays in there as well um, to to shorten that a little bit, but they'll definitely be to their benefit. So that'll be interesting to see. That'll be interesting Absolutely. to see. The, yeah. The, and then I know that. Uh, from a professional standpoint, who's your team professionally? I'm a Steeler fan. Always oh, have been. Uh, Are you a Cowboys fan? Oh, no, I'm a Steeler fan. You said a okay, Steeler fan good. and a Cowboys fan? <laughs> Is that what you said? 
No, I didn't know. I said, I'm a Steeler fan. I didn't know if you said you were a Cowboys fan or not. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I'm, I'm diehard Steelers, man. I'm diehard Steelers. I, I just had yeah. to jump in real quick because I'm actually a Giants fan. So we, we played each other this weekend. Or actually yesterday. Yeah. Yep, sure did. It was a good game. Yep. Yep, it was. That it was. That it was. So. The uh, NFL will be back on again this week, and we'll have some. We're, we're definitely going to have a, a, another uh, good week of not just college football, but but NFL football. Um, and then in South Carolina, at least, we'll start high school football the following week. Up in Jersey, have they started high school ball yet? Uh, no. Uh, they just went back to school last week, so it starts like this week, if I'm not mistaken. And then you got different different districts, different leagues, different areas. So, but our right. area, I believe it starts this week. Okay. All right. All right. We're good. We're good. Well, hopefully, the, uh, no more games get postponed. Um, I'm just looking at the schedule. I see where BYU and Army got postponed, uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Um, and then we heard earlier that Arkansas State and uh, – Southern, I think it's Southern Arkansas. That game got postponed as well. Um, and then Houston and Memphis got postponed. So hopefully those are all the games that get postponed. Um, they will be able to uh, have some good games on this weekend, I'm sure. And we are going to also have a great lineup for next week. Um, we will go on and make sure that uh, we bring something to you that is definitely going to help our young people themselves in position to be successful. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming out uh, and listening to us tonight. Uh, just a reminder, the scholarship momentum, um, we'll have a free webinar on Sunday at 7 o'clock. You can go to scholarshipmomentum.com um, to register. Again, they only have a limited room, so if you're interested, you want to go register as soon as possible. Also want to thank our sponsor for the night, Clear, um, where they make air filters, specifically the MERV 13. You can go on their website, which is clearair.com, that's C-L-E-E-R-air.com, and you can actually get 10% off uh, your first order by using the code uh, WES10, WES10. And, again, that's Clear air.com c-l-e-e-r-air.com again just want to thank you charles for coming on and, and being my co-host yes, tonight and yeah uh, I, thank I, I i enjoyed it for the time that i was here i was I, I missed out on some of it i was like well maybe i'm not supposed to be here but no it was good brother i appreciate it this is a great great resource for the listeners a uh, wonderful opportunity for west foundation uh, and the vision and mission that we have to service uh, the, the young young people of Oria County and the, and the PD area, I should say, South Carolina mm-hmm. and beyond. So we will certainly keep up the good work. We encourage other people to participate, and more importantly, don't just care, donate. And so um, exactly. great job, Everett, right. and uh, we look forward to, to, to bigger and better. Yep. And you can go to our website, which is WESFFC. Com. Again, WESFFC.com. And if you want to donate, um, there is a donate page on there. 
Uh, we definitely love to have you uh, be part of our team because, uh, again, we cannot do it alone. We know that we have to do it, but we cannot do it alone. So we need the help and support of everybody because what we want to do is make sure that we put in position, put these kids in position where they can be successful, regardless if they have an opportunity to play at the next level, whether that's college or the level after that and play professionally. We want them to be successful because we know that our youth are our future. And if they're successful, then we have opportunity to be successful as well. Thanks again, everybody. Um, This is the West Foundation Sports Show. I'm Everett Sands, and you all have a great night, and we look forward to seeing you next week.